Welcome to WSQF Blink Radio. I'm here in the studio watching the election results as of right now. And I have the the honor to have a flood engineer running for council in my studio. His name, you should know by now. Not only is he a concert pianist, but he's an engineer, which is really interesting. His name is Fernando Vasquez. Fernando, how are you? And welcome as the first council member candidate to visit Blink Radio. Oh, Manny, thank you very much for the opportunity to be here. Certainly a pleasure and an honor to, to be here. I, I did forget my piano. I didn't bring it, but uh, uh, but you got great music anyway. I play piano, so. but it's a different type of piano. Yeah. Uh, but, oh, uh, no, sorry, sorry, sorry. I, I, no, I was going to say something vulgar, but I forgot I was live on the radio. Can't that's say. a good thing. Yeah. So it's very cool uh, what you experienced today when you went to vote. Uh, I've, I early voted, so um, I wasn't around to stand around. Being a non, uh, you know, nonpartisan person here on the uh, in the radio, on the key, it's important that the candidates come in here. Therefore, my opinions uh, are conservative in nature, by the way, but at the same time. To the right is your volume for your, to your right of, is below the table. Uh, some of these people uh, haven't, you know, Fernando's of age where, yeah, you know, he ran into. Right. Oh, there you go, right here. Perfect. Yeah, we're really sophisticated here, but in his world, it's like Nintendo. They're probably using microfish over there at, at Miami Beach Flood. I'm just used to moving water, not, not, yeah, not, water. not buttons. Yeah, he's, uh, he probably uses the cup and the string and, you know. I understand. <laughs> you know, he's just a little bit younger than me, but one thing that's really cool about water is that it hasn't changed in thousands and thousands Imagine of years. that. Its composition is the same. It's a molecular substance of the, of the, the greatest oil on earth is water. Right. It fuels us. It fuels humanity. It fuels nature. And when you got to get rid of it... Only Vasquez can get rid of it on Cuba's skin. You're, you're right about that. Water is certainly one of the vital components, if not the most vital component. It really sucks light. that you need it so bad, but when it's knee high but in your front yard, yeah, it gets much. you pissed sometimes, off. Sometimes, like I say, we may be drinking out of a fire hose, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so that's what prompted you to run, right? Exactly. I mean, yes, absolutely. I think we live in an area that um, it, 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 it certainly is affected by, um, by a lot of... Um, a lot of impacts from storms, from uh, rising tides, and the combination of both are certainly causing a problem. And uh, it's time that somebody takes a look at this and gives it a real. And you hard are saying this from it. a twenty as a twenty-year resident or more? I'm saying here, yeah, I've been here for twenty years, and uh, so you've seen your share of floods. I have seen my share of floods. I'm at forty, so I've seen a real share of floods, including Andrew. And you know, that was intense. Manny, one interesting thing that I like to just say is that uh, I, you know, I was involved initially in just uh, planning out for the village, the master plan that they have going on uh, right now, and they decided to move forward and implement. But I had this in the back of my mind that I felt that it was. Wait, time. wait, 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 wait! You're getting ahead. You're getting ahead of okay. your skis. You have to say, I presented before the village council. Let well, maybe people I'm know. Maybe a little too humble on this one. Yes, I did present it to the to the village council. Very important. That, remember, don't, there's no humility in here. No, absolutely. It's acquire the, acquire the room and let the haters go wherever they want. If you don't consume the room, 
You don't get elected. You got to consume the room. Even when I had no desire to get elected, I definitely consumed the room. And I made it very clear to everybody, hey, look, I'm not here to be your friend. I'm here as a resident. And I, I have something to say. And if you don't say it, there's millions of people. <laughs> I, I literally said millions, but... I, I didn't only know met, you had I only such met, a reach, but certainly yeah. you could be hearing us. And, uh, <laughs> it meant, I meant to say thousands at the council. In Holland, gym. maybe, they're hearing yeah. us right now. So I was speaking okay, before so the council, and it's important that people understand. You have to be deliberate. You know that's my favorite word. you got to be deliberate. So tell us how you present it, and, and tell us. Tell us how what it was like to deal with the council on such a personal you know, personal note. Well, I think I think it was first. It was uh, a need. The village did recognize a need uh, when the former uh, village manager was here. There was a need to go ahead and move forward with a plan to take a look at it because obviously uh, the village has been strained by so much flood, and uh, there was a time to bring in a consultant. And so we came in. I came in as a consultant to go ahead and develop the first uh, master plan, the first idea to go ahead and and. Um, release a, a, a document that would give a perspective and an understanding of what the overall uh, needs are. And uh, made a presentation to the village council back in February, if I recall, and I got the unanimous approval to go ahead and move forward. And I thought that, I think that was the, the privilege and a great opportunity to, as a resident, I told him this point blank, this is an act of love. Even though I am a consultant, I feel that this is a great opportunity right now for the village to move forward and improve our drainage system because right now it's woefully inadequate. We, I don't, you know. And you got a lot of questions because I remember, I, I remember a lot seeing of the questions. video. I was grilled and rightly so, and I thought that was a very good thing that they did. They asked a lot of questions, and I believe I answered them properly. And we moved but forward with a unanimous. Something happened. Well, we moved forward with a unanimous vote, and I want to say, I want to emphasize, the whole council went ahead and voted unanimously to proceed. With, uh, now, what comes in that second plan. phase? Because now, you, now when it comes to second phase, they voted upon it, correct? Yes, uh, they did vote upon it, and recently, well, but I wanted to just kind of go back a little bit, if I may. Go ahead. Uh, and looking at this through, because this t was a period of over two years when we were uh, taken, also what we did is we did polls through the community, trying to figure out what folks really understood that they wanted to have as a level of service from the village to pick up the storm water, and uh, that took a that took a little period of time, and finally, you know, we're doing this through COVID, and finally, with all those results, we were uh, was able to make a dem uh, presentation to the council, and uh, it was adopted. And what we did adopt was uh, a ten-year storm event, with a potential you know staging of water for about a half a foot, not too long, because we really want a strong plumbing six foot, system. Six foot, six inches of water. Six inches, about and a half I, It's a foot, my understanding that the storms, that long, but not for that long. The for, different uh, storm event predictabilities is based on inches of water. In other words, a ten-year yeah, event, eight-year event. It's called rainfall intensity. It's the the amount of rainfall intensity that would fall, say, during the ten percent of a year. Uh, these are statistical curves. Obviously, they're, they're not exact mathematics, but it's just information that has been picked up through the years and developed as statistical curves. I don't want to get too technical, but at the end of the day is what uh, engineers I, do I design strongly, with. I strongly suggest that uh, something happened between presenting and running that I think the audience uh, would like to know. Yes. What prompted you to run for council? The need. The need and, and, and the... Uh, 
the, the importance of the need is so substantial, Manny, right now when you look at what the existing system had, it was a capacity that is three times less what we actually need. We actually need three times more capacity to be able to discharge it. And I'm, and, I, and I'm not speaking in cubic feet per second, or I'm just saying that the capacity that we have right now is possibly less than a third of what the system needs to have to discharge that amount of rainfall that we anticipate or that we project to have over one year span. So um, with that, I felt a strong need to not necessarily be involved as a consultant, but be involved as a resident. I needed to, I needed to be part of that process and support also the administration. We have a, a great village manager. He's a good implementer and he does a great job. You told, uh, you told me he had a military background. He has a military background. Steve is a, a great uh, administrator. Uh, Steve He's Williamson. A, Steve Williamson, uh, an implementer. He's from the Army Corps of Engineers. And we would, I mean, this is, this is the person that we want. Because at the end of the day, Manny, what we're doing is that we really need to improve our overall plumbing. And if we don't do that, and if we spend time talking about it and not really understanding the depth of the problem, we're just going to sit here and wait until the next uh hurricane comes in. And I tell you what. This you, community has already gone through that. And we've already gone through it. And so. we were not prepared. No. And it happened to be the year before we f officially got our act together because it was 1991. Right. And I remember being in West Dade, you know, hovering, uh, hunkering down, I should say, with my friends in a walk-in closet. And everybody in the neighborhood, you know, must have been freaking out because we walked outside and there was a quarter mile of Ponciana trees cut in half. Mm. All of them at the same level. Fruit, like a chainsaw went through them. Yeah. And uh, uh, we made the mistake uh, to go outside during the eye of the storm. We walked outside. Mm. We got in the car. <laughs> we actually drove and got so distracted by the, the, the bedlam. This is uh, 142nd and 142nd. Sure. I can imagine. My father was on 80-something, and uh, he was in the, right there by Baptist Hospital, and their sunroof in their living room collapsed, came in. So it, all over the living room, the, that wind was going. Imagine, you know, that once you crack a seal, the wind comes through there, it can lift up the roof. So everybody's shaking over there, told to me later. And I forget, I, I never forget my father telling me as soon as it all it was over, we and we went over there. I personally went over there. The person I was staying with was also had parents at that house, and I believe uh, Jeb Bush was at that house as well. He was hunkered down there as well, and I'll never forget the village of Key Biscayne's first elect uh, manager and council calling my father. Obviously, the, we're talking beepers. You know, we're not talking cell phones here. Um, trying to get the county's attention. Award us some of our initial 20% of the property taxes, for Christ's sake. We need to build a city in, in this chaos. And I'll never forget that day. And I remember my father merely, you know, buckling his belt, getting in the car, dodging all types of flood and knock down trees to get to the entrance of the key to address state troopers and say, I own the hardware store. Mm. Let me in. And he was smart because, because it was a hardware store, they let him in. And then he, from there, he could get a hold of the uh, and give an assessment of what's going on. And uh, we weren't in this big building that we're in today. We were in, the, you know, downstairs. We had just owned the store 
uh, sorry, 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 sorry. It was, uh, yeah, we owned the store uh, maybe uh, three months, four months, five months. And my God, uh, the village uh, the village really had a tough time. They had zero money to operate the village. We had just incorporated. And what was, do you, I don't know, it doesn't matter really. It's a very specific date that Andrew came in to give the, the, the listener a timeline. So I know what you're talking about, man. We really were incorporated in a natural Independence Day <laughs> because there was bedlam here, man. This, this this town was completely knocked down. It was a windstorm. It wasn't really a flood storm. Right. It had a lot of wind. It was like a weed eater. Everybody's gone. Everybody's trees were gone. You could see on both sides of the causeway coming into the key on Crandon. You could literally see on the other side of the street. You realize how small we were as a community. Because right. without trees, we're nothing. We're just like a little town. I don't know. Beatnik town in the middle of, you know, the Dakotas or something, you know what I mean? And, but water, man, water has come in so many times since, and the storms were never as intense as Andrew. And yet there was so much more water because there's a big difference between a hurricane that's wind-generated and a hurricane that's water-generated, yes. that's slow-moving. So and under that scenario, uh, what happens now? Well, the consultants now come, you're on the dais, and now you're hearing it from the from the standpoint of con- uh, bringing your knowledge to the data informing the other council members. That's basically what you're bringing to the table. That's what I'm bringing to the table. That's what I feel that that is the added value that I bring as a future council member to the village of Key Biscayne is that overall knowledge of 35 years, accumulated knowledge in dealing with flood issues and flood control, uh, overall water resources, environmental engineering as well, so it's not just taking account of just the water quantity that we need to discharge, but also the water quality. And one of the things that I do want to point out is the fact that, yes, we can discharge the water into the bay, but we got to make sure that that water is properly clean, that it does not have contaminants. Now, are you saying we can we do were, this today with the existing pumps we have? You can push it out to the bay? Or we can, no, we, we, we can certainly, uh, you know, we can certainly trickle the water out. Ah, we don't uh, have the pumps to get out. We don't have the pumps. We yeah, don't have that's the what power I figure. that we So if it's a high tide, we're and, flooded. <laughs> and we have to, yes, of course. We're going to be flooded. We're going to be, we, we're going to experience what is called sunny day flooding. And this is one, this is one thing that we experienced a lot when I was in Miami Beach living here. But oh, I was time also out. City engineer Perfect time. Beach. Yes. Yeah. Go, please tell us yeah, your been 12 years in Miami Beach as uh, director of engineering. As also then I moved on to director of uh, capital improvements. And back then Miami Beach, where well, we we had a similar problem. We had so much funding allocated for stormwater, and also for other utilities such as water and sewer. But that the demands were far greater. The need was far greater. So we grew a budget that I mean I I don't want to scare anybody off. But over there we did have to grow a budget. Because it started at 150 million. Yeah, uh, the population of Miami Beach is it's far more. It's yeah. far more. We're 15. What are but they? One of the big lessons. They got to be like 50,000, right? We did not have an engineer at the commission of Miami Beach. There was never an engineer that could contribute. Ah, hear that, contribute folks? as it relates to policy. You bounce stuff off and so agree with you. A big strong dependence of con- consultants and consultants, as we know. They, tr- they always try to do the best work they can. But who is watching over them? 
Who is looking at what who's they're second providing? Who's who, second guesses them? Exactly. Who is asking the tough questions when they come in with these proposals and these ideas? So we need that. We need that overlook. We need that oversight, and we need that protection. And I believe also the manager needs that support. The village manager needs because he's one voice, and at the end of the day, the votes is done by the council. So there, there needs to be that know-how and that experience and all the lessons learned that I have from Miami Beach that could contribute so much to the community, Manny, mm-hmm. that um, I certainly feel that uh, I made the right decision. I tell you how I know how I made the right decision. The day, well, the, the week that I resigned, because I gave my two-week notice and I, and I left ACOM, the day after I was wondering, and like we all do, you know, we kind of uh, take a little second guess and say, well, did I make the right decision or not? That was June 3rd. On June 4th, guess what happened? We got a major flood event. That's right. That's and very then, recent. And then. And I'm living on the condo side for I the said, first time. I know I made the right decision. I know I made the right decision because now. It was destiny, yeah. It was destiny. And I said, you know, just God give me a sign. And all of a sudden there was a sign right there from, from above the whole village and I said don't do it again <laughs> that's all I need right now but um, it's important Manny it's a very important a lot of, a lot of people that live on the key are new to the key a lot of them don't realize how important our elections are and you have to go vote the voter turnout today is 20% and everybody's dancing on their heads thinking that's a great thing because in comparison to other midterm uh, August elections it's a little higher today it's a little higher today. Yeah. But it's only a lot higher. Yeah. No, not really. I mean, it's still 20%, though. It's like the batting average in, in, in baseball. Mm-hmm. You know, 300 is a tremendous batting average in baseball. That means three out of 10. So a round bat on a round ball still is a very difficult sport. Hitting a ball that's coming at you at 100 miles an hour. But do you have like an update on what is the voter turnout here on the key? I was recently reading. I was I was going to go back and check. Give me a minute. No, while he checks, yeah. I'm looking on the website, and so far, uh, Charlie Chris has kicked butt. Um, he's he's shellacking Nikki Freed. Alberto Paroche is that he's losing right now to um, Maria. Uh, no, uh, Mrs. Lopez. What's uh, Mrs. Lopez's first name again? I forgot. I'm a little discouraged about that because I was for. Uh, my buddy Parosh, my church homie. Go ahead and say it. Turnout was hit at 33%. So it's up another 13%. PM according to the KAB. That's very event. cool. So that's yeah. really record. So the caustic abrasive mm-hmm. tone of this election has actually benefited turnouts. Yes. And uh, I believe that that's a good thing. I'm sitting here on the website, so I don't want to leave dead air here. But I still haven't gotten to the key because it's probably at the very, very, very bottom here. Because it's every single freakazoid uh, election here all over the county. I think it's great to see the turnout that we see today. I think it's great to see the involvement of the community. We have so many critical issues that are uh, impacting and or have some relevance or more relevance on, on the village. And, and it's great to see that that message is getting out there, Manny, whether in one fashion or another. And, yes, this this primary election was a, a bit uh, I don't want to use the word caustic but I guess it was it was a bit contentious I already, I already it said it live on the radio it was contentious it was caustic man it was difficult at times to to you know to hear and be, be witness a Trumpster it. is up but, 42% on Dade County Commission 
he was the guy who came out of nowhere, young kid, Kevin Cabrera, and he floored everybody with supporters Trump and Hialeah, and now he's up 42 to everybody's 25 and 13. Mm-hmm. I believe that's nonpartisan, so that I think is a, is a, a, basically a, a general election in a way. And uh, I see that uh, I'm still having a problem here. Uh, Dorothy, uh, well, that school board, these things are really annoying because the school board issue for me is very personal. So there's uh, all the incumbents are doing very well in their, in their returns. And Mariteres Rojas is shellacking Sandra Monseri that we supported so much as a KBK, you know, teacher. 34 to 65. Mariteres wow. Rojas is, just had the money. I don't know how Sandra's going to come from that one. Uh, it, it's still low turnout, I mean, in terms of uh, reporting. Uh, the council, sorry, the 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 commission's um, ballots they don't really tell you who is what and how many uh, what percents are voting. Uh, Fausto's ahead right now for the first time. I'm seeing the result. Fausto's thirty eight point eight three. Katie Petros is twenty six point fifty four, and Roscoe's winning forty two to sixty two. So he's got seven hundred and five votes. Foster right now has 510 votes. Katie Petros is 439 votes. Only 1,654 votes have been cast so far. I don't know if that's total votes. I'm assuming it is. And there's more to come, or that's about as many as going to vote, which is not unrealistic when you think of the 30% you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to get to the website. So let me refresh to see if that if that baby has gone up. We'll check it out here. Five, four, three, two, one. Blink once I said it. Blink twice. Hey, I missed it. Okay, so it, it looks like the number's going to stay for now. We have to sit here and uh, wait to see what the final tally is. Um, it's uh, uh, precincts reporting. I believe there's just one precinct here, it says, for Kibis Game Mayor. Uh, that's interesting because there's there's two or three. I, it used to be it used to be 49, 50, and 51 mm-hmm. on the key. I believe it was not reduced because they had to split the condos in half. So, you know, I have to assume that the other two precincts. I don't know if it, if he if Joe is up on the house votes, uh, then there's a chance of. Fausto and Petros both gaining. I believe that Petros and Roscoe both dominion or base on the House votes. So uh, Joe, as far as I'm concerned, uh, has a lot of support that is House and condo because of St. Agnes Church. Right. He's a you know quite a parishioner and he's been very very avid about his uh, Catholic faith as well as his secret weapon. She, you know, sings in the choir, so she has a lot of affinity as well. And uh, Katie's basically, she's lived on both sides. I just don't know how much traction she had when she originally lived in the condos, and she's on the house side now. And um, she, let's see, the, uh, what I see here on what Miami Day gives us is that the early votes 
were split between Roscoe and Gomez, where Roscoe got more votes, 170 early votes to 102 early votes. And unfortunately, the country hasn't learned from the past. And this is something I, I have to emphasize to everyone who listens to Blink Radio here on WSQF 94.5 and on live stream worldwide, WSQFradio.com. Bluetooth that into your phone, to your car, and you can hear us anywhere in the world, including uh, you know, my commies in, in Havana. But anyway, everybody can listen to us here. And we are a family of known back in the pre-revolutionary days, a little, little rabbit hole here, as the operators and owners of NBC Radio in Cuba called La CMQ. Cuba me quiere. So we're back here in exile. After 60 years, there's another combo on the radio. So, if I'm reading this while we got on election day has not been reported yet. That's what it's reading here. And you are reading from? I'm reading from the primary election right here from the uh, Miami-Dade elections. Miami-Dade County, yeah. So we got the election day has not been reported yet. Early votes are completely reported. So I believe these results must be from the early and partially vote by mail, partially reported. Okay, so that could so be it then. We have now it does say only participating precincts reporting. I don't know how to read this per se because it's my first time. It says zero and one. I don't know if that means early voting, since it's a zero there, meaning no precincts have reported. Right. And uh, I don't know if you look. Yeah, we're on the same website. Yeah. We're on the same website, so, although yours is coming in through an iPad, so it might be more accurate than mine that's on Windows. Yeah, so I'm just kidding. I'm oh, <laughs> just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. 12, yeah, they're still at 12.71. So this has been a. This was updated as a seven. Yeah, 7:15 p.m. 8:23. So um, we have not yet received apparently the reports. It says election day not reported. So we're looking at early votes, and we're looking at the counts of early votes and vote by mail, based on what I see oh, here. thank you for reminding me. I want to tell the audience, stop. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how much you fear coronavirus. I really don't care what you're thinking. Stop mail-in balloting. That's how elections are rigged. Stop mail-in balloting. Absentee ballot is different because you're requesting the ballot and they're sending you one. In the state of Florida, I find it really disgustingly mediocre that we send out mail-in ballots indiscriminately, meaning dead people, sometimes people getting two ballots, still physically go to vote, even if you get a mail-in ballot. Have the decency and respect for your country and go vote in person. If it's absentee because you're military, you're on a base somewhere, uh, you're open heart surgery or whatever, okay, request your ballot. As an American citizen, request absentee ballot, and they'll send it you one. But that mail-in balloting that is so disgusting, that is so third world, it's so ridiculous. There's entire states mail-in balloting. I believe Utah's all mail-in balloting. There's another state that's all mail-in balloting. Decades now. So in other words, pre-coronavirus, that's mediocrity. Yeah, what I find curious... What did they say about democracy dying in darkness? That's darkness. Mail-in balloting is dark. You don't know where the ballots are. You don't know if they end up in a river. I remember, and kudos to my friend Alex Pinellas on this show. Alex is only the second time I mentioned you on this show. And Alex uh, was a very old friend when he was uh, a county manager. 
and basically he was a strong mayor with a manager's power. So it was like a county manager kind of situation. And he did not recount the Bush-Gore election for fear that ballots would disappear. They just wouldn't get counted. Why? Because he knew how uh, contentious the different groups of precincts were. By Cuban, by American, by Jewish, by Latin American. All these things can create animosity where little gangs grab boxes that never come to the polling station. They just disappear. They stay in a warehouse somewhere. They get shredded. They get burned. Who knows? America deserves walk-in ballots like the good old days. You walk in, you stand in line, and today, and I knew it was coming because with the hanging chads of 2000 Bush Gore election, I knew what was coming was electronic. It's already nerve-wracking to see our ballot box is an electronic ballot, but at least it has that little paper that comes out. So I have to worry about the where, where does the little paper end up. Hmm. And I like to think that there's integrity there and there's a poll watcher. But I have friends of mine who have told me they've poll watched and they've gone into conflicts, like fisticuffs conflicts, because they're onto something and they voice it and they're like shaded out by Democrats who are also poll watching, and they're also marshaled in with a police officer. They're marshaled to the parking lot only because they raised issues. That happened twice up in the area of Coral Springs. Really? Two different people. And neither one of them knew each other. And they both were accosted when they brought attention to something that smelled. And sure enough, there was a cop standing at the polling station. Hey, this guy's causing problems. I'm supposed to cause problems. I'm a poll watcher. I'm here for that. If I smell something that I, that I don't think is right, I want to know what you're up to and call attention to it. So he did. And guess what? We all know that Broward County was a sneaky, sneaky election people, election day fraudulent stuff for years that, that uh, Rick Scott never had the guts to throw the person out. I forgot her name. But uh, Ron DeSantis, as soon as he became governor, he told her to go fly one. I wish I could remember her name because I'd have to Google and then get off the the the, <laughs> the, the Miami Dade Elections Bureau here. So right now we we do know now one person who's really put up a good fight in a school board election, which is usually incumbent based. There's Monica Colucci. Uh, I know that she was avant garde, my type of candidate, and she went up against Marta Perez, man. And it's 49 to 50 right now with 25,000 votes casted. So I'm not so sure that this is uh, only mail-in balloting, you know. I don't know because here it says, in that particular election I just mentioned, it says 10 out of 85 precincts. So that's a big chunk of Miami. There's a detailed view. I'm not sure if you're there or not. I'm looking, still looking at Q's gain. Okay, wait, wait a minute. Let me go back to the key. Continue. What do you see now? No change still? Still no change from election day. There's um, there's still the early votes counted and the vote by mail have been counted. And uh, we're still um, we're still uh, on zero on the election day on the count. At least this is what's reflected. So the election day has not come in yet. And I think we're still uh, it's well, 730. What time is the yeah, right now it's seven thirty-four. Yeah, so we should be we should be getting. Uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a situation where 
you know, uh, I don't think this election is going to go into the middle of the night. We should we should be getting the totals here soon. My question is, I am seeing changes in terms of parties, uh, participating precincts reporting. Mm-hmm. Four out of 49, eight out of 73, all around the county. So I have to think that that zero one was early voting, as we mentioned early. Yeah. So we have to wait and see and wait and see. So going back to you and your candidacy, uh, are you going to take my advice and concentrate on flood or what? <laughs> so, so in other words, he's telling me that maybe. Okay, so is there any issue you're prepared to talk about that isn't flood? If you want to talk about it, I'm gonna rest in peace, man. You know, this, this will I be think, recorded by the way tomorrow. What? It'll be yeah. uploaded on wsqfradio.com. Go to the homepage. I leave all the the. I used to uh, I used to have tabs for everyone who who had a show here, but you know what? You guys end up calling me, telling me, "Hey, I can't see where the show is," and I hit the tab. Well, I realized that my website. When it's miniaturized to a mobile phone, it was engineered for a desktop. And it would require me reinventing the website. To be more specific, the person who who made it for me made it, you know, made it mobile friendly for Android, iPhone. But still, even in in that case, it just really wasn't appealing to go through and get your thumb on the icon. It's too miniature. So I decided, you know what? The hell with the icons, and the hell with a, a page per. So now all audio files are on the main page. There, you just got to scroll. If it's if you think it was weeks ago, scroll. And unfortunately, it's by title. It's not number one, number two, number three, number four. So I could have done that had I thought about it from the get go, but I didn't do that because it was me by myself and I back in 2017. So. Just be happy that I'm not charging you for everything I say or listen to. Well, you asked me whether I wanted to talk about other issues, and, and certainly, I mean, I think that there's whoever, whether it's myself or whoever comes into council next this election. November. Yeah, it's they're going to have a, a, a great, there's going to be a lot of great opportunities to really improve our um, our presence in the region. I think we need to, one of the things that, it's, that has really come out of this discussion that we had in the primaries and uh, with respect to the mayors is all the potential issues related to the causeway as well as the new arrival of the uh, surprise of the uh, not so surprise of this of the homeless shelter in Virginia Key Uh, those are issues that affect us and I think that there's going to be a a very good opportunity for the next uh, council members to really address these issues in the best interest of of Key Biscayne and to take that well, apart, uh, uh, with all with I, time I, I, out, with all say. due respect, folks, sure. I've been here long enough. Everybody knows what Joe Carroyo was doing. He just and he, he said this publicly. It's not like I have a crystal ball or nothing. He said flat out the county was ignoring us as a city of Miami. And guess what? The majority of the homeless were hanging out in downtown in our city. Probably. Therefore, I want money, and the only way to get. The county to pay attention to our homeless situation is to piss off the rich people and keep us game. They'll raise the noise. They'll get the council and council candidates all thinking they're superheroes. And it ain't happening. It's a FEMA zone. You, you said it yourself. As a flood engineer, you said those were pristine lands that incredibly 
But the FEMA rating recently, and there was something I mean, that today flo- with the mayor you can't that do spoke. It there. The FEMA rating has gone down, fortunately, for, for, for Miami. There was a discussion today. That, now, please uh, explain to the crowd what the FEMA rating well, actually I mean, means. Overall, as, as it relates to, to the insurance, as it relates to the overall FEMA rating and how, how the federal government sees us as a, as a risk that has gone down. Now, whether that has affected different flood areas and flood zones... I don't know, but certainly right now, the way that area is classified as a high-velocity a uh, flood zone, which warrants or requires... When it's high velocities because there's no real protection? Because it's high tide, yeah, there's no protection. There is, you know, you anticipate that whole area to be flooded. It's flat. It's about elevation five, six above sea level. At when the highest point it, or flat? No, I'm, I'm, I've been paying attention. There's different contours in different areas because obviously... The, oh, the five seems like a lot to me. Well, not so much when you look at it and you look at sea level. Through grades. You look at the mean sea level, yeah. So uh, it varies. It varies. And also you have the plant and you have that whole area has been graded up to build a, to build a Virginia Key plant. So it is at a contour about five. However... When you look at the flood predictions of that area is at elevation nine. So when you look at five versus nine, and on top of that, the regulations tell you that you have to build one foot above the finished floor elevation for a zone AE, which is a high velocity, you know, high risk flooding area, according to building code. So now you have to go foot high. So now you're talking about the finished floor elevation being between five to six feet above ground. Now, are they going to fill that whole area? That I don't know. I can't say, but certainly it's not meeting the requirements. You can't do Okay, that here, well, I got, a bo- I got a bomb to drop on you. This has nothing to do with your election. But it has to happen, whether we like it or not. And I'd like to hear your opinion as an engineer. It's pretty obvious to me as the world moves here. And I mean the world. I mean a little bit of every freaking city, country in America is coming to Key Biscayne, including parts of Italy, France, Ukraine, you name it, they're coming to Miami. They're moving to Miami. Yes. Miami's a great place and very little room. We're sandwiched between the flood zones of the Bay and the flooding of the Everglades. Doesn't it make sense that we address a billion, probably maybe a billion and a half dollar question? We've got to move the sewer plant from Virginia Key inland. That question has been that, and nobody wants to touch on. it. It's too many well, million. I, I wouldn't. I, I was part of an initial proposal. Okay, so there was this legislature. You ask a great question, by the way, and a very important. And it's question. a most important question this yeah. town has ever ever have to address, and but it's billions of debt for us residents. I understand that. The outfall legislation, which was legislation passed uh, a while back, and it affected a lot of a lot of treatment facilities in South Florida required that a certain amount of nutrients would be released into the bay a certain amount quantity parts per million milliliters i know that to be true as a as an ex uh, scuba diver yeah. i've seen so, what it does because because currently there is an outfall that discharges straight into the bay w- area way out to the gulf stream yeah it goes about a little less than a mile no no it just it's a little bit less than a mile but it's a pipe but it's a pipe it's a pipe yeah the audience is imagining what you're saying and that pipe has it that pipe is underwater and it extends all the way out. And there's, you know, there's been repairs on that pipe. And fortunately, uh, water and sewer, Miami-Dade water and sewer has, has taken care to address those issues. But at the end of the day, they still get discharges. Now, um, 
There's also discharges of nutrients, and I did a, a bit uh, uh, when I was uh, just recently. I posted in my Instagram page about. Uh, By the way, give them the address of your Instagram page. In my Instagram page is Fernando VKB 2022. You got to repeat that twice because it's radio. Fernando VKB, as in Village of Key Biscayne, VKB 2022. And you can see him talking to himself and me. And, um, and I'm always, and I'm always a guy. Hey, are you the, BBC are you tour. the concert pianist or the flood <laughs> engineer? I'm, I'm confused. <laughs> Do both. By the way, he 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 plays an excellent piano. He's a, one of those savants as a kid, you know, he taught himself piano. And uh, I haven't heard a recital only because he hasn't invited me. But the, the, the little that I have heard, it's uh, pretty impressive. You're quite a talented pianist. Thank so you. I think you should bring the piano to the dais and when you take the oath, do it on the keyboard. I think music has a tremendous uh, impact too. When you look at, you know, today we, we sort of, draw silos between engineers, architects, and other trades that... But never know, politician, observe. pianist. Well, that's more of this. I love oh, that. Yeah. You're a trendsetter. I like trendsetting. I don't, I don't know. I, I like doing that. the hard stuff. Do you like doing the hard stuff? I like doing the hard stuff. Well, music is abstract, so music allows for a certain level of abstract thinking, which I think when you're moving water, it's certainly important because you get a whole vision of how now, things should be set. When, you right? when you're on to something on the yeah. keyboard... This is a very good piano. run. Yeah. When uh, when you're on the keyboard yeah. and you realize you came up with something, how do you go backspace, backspace, backspace to write this stuff down on a napkin? I mean, how do you do it? Why, you like, Well, if you've been whoa. studying music, I, I've been studying music since I was six years old. Actually, four. So I, reading I the, screen, the, the song sheets and everything? I was always attracted by notes and the figure of notes, so I started studying classical music. At a very early age, at that's five, incredible, man. I wrote my first composition at nine. Did, I still like have, your, did I your father and mother scream at you a lot and have you no, in time out? My sisters, my sisters wouldn't let oh, me get because we were, you you know, we're a smaller family in a, in a larger. How many uh, sisters you have? I have three sisters. Oh, that could get one. really, really noisy. You just went into a and, corner. And they were fighting, so my my escape was to get into the keyboard. But then wow. they came screaming at me, saying. Quiet. You're f- yeah. quiet. quiet. Yeah. Shut up. But we I'm can't argue. I can play Mozart, you know. So, uh, but I've always had an affinity towards and been attracted towards music in itself. So I think plus once you had you, a keyboard too. Yeah. So once you understand and once you really understand the language, it's like any language. Music is is a language. Music is a language, and it's written in the form and and you know abstract forms, but so are letters. So you do remember. It's interesting because a lot of people say, well, Beethoven. No, I'm talking example. about the stuff that you've created in oh, your mind. Yeah, All of a sudden you're on a roll and you're like, yeah, oh my God. You, it's like, when and you're you know, can, you can something. go back and write yes. what you just played. Yes, I can. Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, there's obviously also different levels of geniuses within that. Or well, talent. and Nestor Lencona. He, they say that he had more stuff on napkins than he had for composed and. Uh, in a studio. It's interesting because there's a lot of anecdotes, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad we switched a little to music as waters gets fringe can get a little bit. Well, we're waiting for but, returns. The truth so is that I'm anything. buying time because I'm know about you, but I'm on the same 1,654 early votes. Are you still there? And it's 42. Oh, it just blipped. And it's... Well, uh, we're getting some partial reporting. Yes, the, there's some reporting, uh, but not Key Biscayne. Not, nothing yet on Election Day on Key Biscayne. We're still, uh, we're still with the same percentages. Uh... Joe Roscoe is at 42.62, Fausto Gomez is at 30.83, and Katie Petras is 26.54. Which There's means that if Katie doesn't make it to the runoff, that's a huge 
amount of voters we, the other two have to fight for. Yeah, that's a lot of voter and capital, I guess. Wow, you got to go after that, that vote big time. Yes. So um, it's a matter of who understands. So, but you made you made an interesting comment before this, Manny. You were talking be, about we're, we're leaving piano or what? Because that was my fault. Well, I don't know. You're taking me all over the place. And yeah, I just keep it's on, radio. It's like a symphony, you know. You know, we, you know, while we wait for votes to come in, and we're really interested in I, me personally, I'm only interested in this the Sandra. Uh, Maritera Rojas, Alberto Peroche, and Ana Lopez. Why do I keep on forgetting her name? My God. Senior moment, folks. I feel like, uh, you know, Senate candidate Fetterman, he suffered strokes, and we both have quips. And I, my problem is that I really have difficulty um, trying to remember what I already said, which is, about the piano way, kind of what I asked you about the piano. <laughs> I'm just trying to follow you. That's yeah, I don't want to repeat. I'm doing my best here. I don't want to repeat. following a stream. Like yeah, you're man. I haven't figured out exactly why I should be asking myself, did I already say that? And that's what's happening to me when I'm alone on the radio. So anyway... Uh, continue what you were going to say because I cut you off and that I, was, I, I, now you I mean, forgot. I've been, I've been, now I forgot. Where I <laughs> you were about to say something that I take you off base. And I'm sorry, we, I just completely blew it. Uh, no, so, you mentioned, you, you were talking about the, the uh, well, let's, let, let's not predict yet. I mean, there's still a lot of votes oh, coming about the third vote. About, about the third vote. Which is whoever, substantial. I mean, let's just say whoever ends up on that third vote, you're still talking about a strong, a high percentage. You're talking almost about a 30% of votes out there, whoever it is, whether it's Katie, whether it's, whether it's Fausto, whether it's Roscoe, it doesn't matter. You still got between a 30 or closer to, a, you know, when you look at the average, it's above a 30% of voters, even on the partial and on the absentee. The, well, the, one, one thing that, that one thing. We, have, we haven't looked at the finals yet of today. We don't know yet. There's, there's, now, the big question grow. is, and uh, a couple of mentioned this to me and I, I've agreed with that whose voters come the day of voting who actually wants to go to the community center who was motivated to go to the community center who wants to be seen at the community center and who really cares to vote on election day in, in the primary we already know that Republicans like to go physically because I look what I just said I think mail-in voting is corrupt I think putting your hands in, the, in a cookie jar like that uh, who knows where these ballots? But this yeah. is primary. Well, you so you know, who comes to vote? More Roscoe voters, or more Fausto voters, or more Petros voters? Well, because we have to wait for this thing to flip. And so far, the first reporting, I think you're right. Let's Fernando. look at the registration for uh, Miami-Dade County Hispanic voters, and maybe whether this provides a clue or not. But we're looking at over fifty thousand. People have registered as Republicans since uh, August 2018. They've gone from 271,000 to 323,000 of additional uh, Republicans that have voted. You sent me this, by yes. the way. And on the, we've seen also an increase of 30,000 NPAs registered in Miami-Dade County and a decrease in the Democrats of uh, 2,000 votes also in Miami-Dade County. How does that translate to Key Biscayne? It's Nothing. Not, it, there is, <laughs> no, you can't. You can't. Nothing. But, but it does give you a clue in the increase and the decrease that you do have a lot more 
it, it would appear that you would, or you could infer by that, that you could have an additional, in, in, indeed, an increase in Republican and NPAs that are coming out to vote a lot more. And that's drive. That, that, that's uh, a sense of a change, I guess, that, that, that folks want to, you know, you say, who shows up uh, at Election Day? Well, it appears that a lot of people did show up today. A lot of people did show yeah. up. A lot. I like to think that it's the obvious, the younger voter, the person that doesn't fear being in line. I know that a lot of older people, you gave them an excuse to mail in ballots because you just mail it in. I went to early voting, for instance. I, I just didn't want to be... Uh, in in the rush of things, uh, I just didn't want to be. I wanted the early voting. I just I find it so appealing to go into that Vizcaya garage, man. In ten minutes, I'm done. The rest of my days in my hand. I'm not standing in line, man. It's just fast voting. I think there's something interesting. Uh, I think there's something beautiful about just election day. If it I was like presidential, I, if it's presidential, I don't think I'll ever change now because that Vizcaya station's out of control. It's so so beautiful and easy, in and out, very close to my house. A bunch of reason. Uh, but I must say that in the Obama elections, since I detested his candidacy so bad, I loved the whole aura fantasy that I was changing votes in the line. <laughs> and uh, uh, unfortunately, uh, I don't think that was the case. And it was pretty obvious it wasn't the case. But there's something to be said about good old banter in the line, and most people don't want to be talked to in the line. They they already have their mind made up, and they're gone. Mm-hmm. Occasionally, you'll see someone, I don't know much about the judges. Well, this today, anybody who asked me over the last week, I've been sending them an Excel spreadsheet of all the candidates, especially the judge candidates, because I have, serious, I have a serious problem with socialists, statists, liberals, and communists. Because most communists in this country will never admit it, but he did Fidel, right? So, you know, I know that if you really believe in total takeover of the government, whether you like it or not, whether you want to admit it or not, whether you want to say it to me or not, you're a commie. I'm sorry. And if you're my girlfriend, my wife, I'm sorry. We're getting divorced. You're a commie. So that part of me will never reside itself. It will never just go away. I'm always going to think that the party of government sucks, period. So, if you start selling that way when you're on council, you can, I can assure you I'm gonna go to the party, I'm gonna introduce myself and give my address and say, you guys are ridiculous. People are really pissed off out here. That's what I remember saying to the council. They sucked when I approached them. And Oceania was getting ready to be permitted and they didn't even have a student station impact study by state law. And I brought it to their attention. And guess what? They passed the damn site plan anyway. And guess what? Those, now those $9 million were in my hands if I appealed the site plan for lack of student station impact study. But you got to be prepared for that day. I was studying. I knew what I was talking about. And I know how distraught I was knowing that he, uh, within months later, I'm being asked, uh, look, we're going to do what you said. We're going to, you know, go into negotiations with Miami-Dade Public Schools to build MAST, providing that you don't appeal a site plan formally. And I made the biggest mistake of my life. I believe them. Why? Although the school was built, as promised, what I didn't 
figure out, unfortunately, out of trust, that the people on the council, two of them are there now, were going to stick it to me. And I wrote about it because I, what I didn't say that night, I said in the following Thursday's guest commentary because Ann Owens, the owner of Islander, allowed me to take the freaking whole page. She was very honorable about that, and she was not in agreement with anything I said or wrote about. But that 6th, 7th, and 8th grade I knew was coming after the fact, after I agreed not to call Oceania and appeal their site plan. Because I should have got the $9 million in my hand, and that school would have been built on the baseball diamond, whether the county liked it or not, because then there wouldn't have been anything built. But guess what? The village didn't want it that way. And what they wanted was to keep the $9 million, put it in their fund, and just loan the entire $24 million. And the county said, yeah, sure, of course we'll take your money. You guys got the credit for $24 million. I'd like to know how's that, how that handles, and I want you to do that for me when you get on the dice. What the hell is the 24? It's got to be a huge wad of kidney shot to us on the debt cap. I don't know why it doesn't appear ever. Uh, it's a legitimate piece of debt. I think the only thing I can foster in it that I remember in the ILA, the interlocal agreement, right. that I was a party to because I was PTA president by then, another mistake I made, uh, my bravado of conservatism wanted to use the, the trigger letter at the K-8 Center as a, a way of, if you don't build what you said on the Virginia Key, I'm building it here. The same thing. And I used, used that medium, knowing I was going to get abused. My daughter was going to get abused. I knew the teacher union was coming after me. It was the first time that Florida had ever exercised that law. So that part of it was really disgusting because 6th, 7th, and 8th grade, I saw it today when I went to go see the doctor at Mercy, all the parents coming back from picking up kids at past 3 o'clock. You couldn't get in here. For 20 minutes, there's 400 cars out there. Plus, So there's 250 parents plus 150 people that, that, that were coming under the key anyway. And unbelievable <laughs> that we live in this world of lack of vision, and yet we talk about it, and we talk about it, and we talk about it. Some organization put what what should we expect from you guys who are running vision uh, uh, integrity where's the vision there hasn't been a visionary person here since mort free bought the the and it was pretty obvious to all of us but anyway he gets the credit for it exercising the contract to buy the village green for nine million bucks that my guy would have been three shopping centers today had he not but at the same time it was there. It was, yeah, we had to buy it. We became a city and that property was there. My God, if we don't go and buy it, it's going to be concrete. And, and we did. We, uh, we bought the land. And it was a big moment for our history of our community because we are now 100% green, this town. And we have parks to the south, parks to the north, parks in the middle. We're a great freaking green city. That's why I always was taken aback by the council not being honest about our green space shortage. And I finally killed it. One thing that was the benefit of the mass uh, controversy and argument, there was a, basically, it was an argument that I had on my own, basically me and council, me and council, and there was no citizen supporting me, nobody supporting me. I, the only support I got is when nobody would run against me as PDA president, <laughs> so I won unopposed. Uh, what what the village did was very dishonest in the early years of incorporation because they declared in the master plan of our city to the state of Florida, which is a new city, so it's the state legislator, mm -hmm. 
who had passed a law that's saying that you guys have to meet green space criteria when you form a city. In our case, it was highly impossible. Almost full, oh, you got to be almost a full build-out condition. No, it's it was per hundred, per hundred of population. Eight, I think it's an, an acre per 1,000 residents. We would never acquire it because now, look, the, the residency's tripled. So the green space was tripled. But in the lie was they allowed you to count in green space recreational areas. Therefore, you had to count the beach. It's the most re recreational area we have. Regular, daily. When and we it went have, from one when side of... We don't have seaweed. Huh? When we don't have Even seaweed. Even when there's seaweed because yeah. they're walking up and down. Yeah. People are look, looking for the sunrise in the morning, looking for the sunset. Ah, they're, they're relieved of the sunset. It's falling behind the buildings. It just reminded me of a, of a, of a conversation that we did cut off. So we, in other words, my final yeah. point was yeah. we never had a green space shortage. It was a lie. Okay. And therefore, the basis for not allowing Oceania to be at 285 units of lesser mm -hmm. square footage as opposed to 154 units of more square footage, my annoyance is, as a business owner out here, that resident doesn't shop. That resident owns four or five multi-million dollar properties worldwide, and they come for one month, and they walk through there, some kind of tax shelter thing, you know, no matter if they're from the United States or they're abroad, but they're not shoppers. They maybe have some restaurant time, but chances are they'll go to the Ritz-Carlton next door or something, you know what I mean? So it's not the shopper. I used to have, to give you an example of how annoying it was to see OCNN being built, and I said so in writing, so it's not like I'm taking it back now. What really annoyed me was that it was a situation where I had $5,000 worth of sales in luggage alone a year. 5,000 bucks of people who would come to this country, stay at Sinesta, and shop in my store to take it back to Venezuela, Colombia, uh, Argentina before the Pope, and, and do something, and do business with us. Because it was a B, it was a B uh, guest at Sinesta. Well, if you're gonna do a condo hotel, You've actually bettered the, the services for that guest, but it's still a guest that would stay a week. Go to Sawgrass Mills. I, you know, I didn't think they were only coming to the hardware store. They were probably going to Dayland, probably going to Sawgrass, God knows what. That doesn't happen anymore. We lost our consulate, which was Sinesta Beach Hotel. And Ritz-Carlton, if you pay $1,000 a night at Ritz-Carlton, man, what are you doing? You're eating at the hotel, you're swimming at the hotel, you're going to the bathroom in the hotel, you're at the hotel. Now, what we do have to increase our capacity of commerce in the, in the village. Keepscape would suck if there wasn't a hardware store. It's like losing a pharmacy. Yeah. And, folks... I heard the sad news. One, one of the stores uh, that sells clothes right near the Golden Hog was also also closed recently from what I heard. That that poor Shelby and, Center is gonna uh, is gonna hurt faster than a, everybody it's else. It's a sad story because I mean, well, well that's really more. Was well, it the clothing store? You mean uh, the, the sports the place? Sports, the sports place. Yeah, I was talking to some folks today. Uh, I didn't go out there and see it for myself, but yeah, the I rents too, the it. rents too damn high. Rent is high, and they're also you know one of the things too that is is that, that affected a lot of these businesses is obviously Amazon COVID. and COVID and well COVID it COVID grew Amazon obviously. Yes, it made Amazon more prominent and retail so anything that has to do with retail is affected by by uh by amazon or any by mail purchase but we we do have to find a way 
of trying to increase. We can't just be just restaurants. I mean, no, we can't. It's going back to the mail and balloting. We're a very self-sufficient. One of the great things about Key Biscayne is that we are self-sufficient to a very high degree. We yes. have our own, you know, we have our own supermarket. We're the only we probably pharmacies. the only city. Think about this. We're probably the only city in Florida, right? Maybe even the East Coast that can be. You can be born. You can go to elementary school. And high you don't school. have to leave the island. High school and college. <laughs> All that we need is an airport, right? And we college. Have to to we have that too. You just got to land amphibious. Yeah. So uh, we are. Ma- imagine you go to the Ralston schools, you know, and study oceanography just because you don't want to leave the bridge. Right. But we do have to find a way of making our commerce more successful. Not retail. Retail restaurants are great. We have great restaurants. Uh, you know in the village and there's also a couple of gift shops that are fantastic to go to uh, but I think that we need to find a way to improve our commerce overall uh, I think and we do have these uh, these farmers well, market oh, here's we have a, these farmers market here's a too, question that, for you yeah excuse me for interrupting uh, we went from Beethoven to flea markets but this you know, is a okay. Beethoven question yes but wait I'm here but, to answer what do you think about and this is a cost, a costly thing in a way. The community center being open late, late at night, so the kids can be in there instead of on the streets. That's been asked for over twenty years, and now there's more kids than ever because only I saw more kids than adults moving to the key. That's what the whole school thing was about. I saw this becoming a kids' town. Uh, when I was growing up, man, we were not—we were a minority of. Uh, there were more adults than kids. Now it's the opposite. Well, I think that I think I think it's a I think it's a noble thought to have the to have an ability to have kids to go to have an opportunity to go somewhere else apart from the street and offer them an option. I just think realistically, it's tough to get teenagers off the street because they are developing that sense of freedom of getting out of the house, hanging out with their friends. Well, it'll, it'll keep the them things, from smoking stuff. And keep them from smoking stuff, which is not good for them. Yeah. Uh, or drinking. And driving. And driving, which and is And flipping worse. golf and, carts. You know, one of the things, which takes me to traffic calming, too. I want to talk a little bit about that, too, because I've seen a lot of kids with new cars right now. It's, 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 it's crazy. I mean, I've actually seen kids going crazy on Ocean Avenue or Arbor Drive or whatever, you just see them, they, they think it's a raceway. And uh, we have to we have to really take a hard look at that, at ways of calming the traffic. But but going back to your question, I, I don't think, I think it's a noble thought to be able to provide them a, a venue for them to be off the street. I'm just not sure whether we will completely take them out of the street because teenagers are just that way. They like to hang out with their friends, and they like to wander about, and they like to go into places where they can go and drink, and you know that's what we have to. And that all co- forms part of an it education. Happened to, it happened to us. It happens to us, and who you know, whoever is not out there, it, it, there's obviously the kids that like to stay home, and the kids that like to go out, and it's not a perfect, it's not a perfect scenario. But I do agree that we do want to provide venues for teenagers. No, I didn't say S. I said one. Community or a center. venue. Why? I mean, because I think not, we can't provide a lot because we only have so much room, but we can use our current facilities to do so. The question is, how do we get him off the street? I don't think providing a venue alone does it. That's just yeah, my answer I agree. To that. But it's less. It's lesser. Meaning the the law enforcement will know who's hanging outside of the community center. Yeah. In other words, lesser. 
not more. Be able to nail that. But I, tell I think you what. kids. I can't. The problem is that the kids today, and I wasn't this way. Uh, we weren't so disrespectful of authority as these kids are. These kids mouth off like they're like. There's one thing, and I, I mean this for any kids who's listening, folks. If you're on a bike, if you're on a skateboard, and you're about to cross the street, especially on Crandon, look on the other side of the street. Always. There's a golf cart that's coming your way. And he can't decelerate because you don't know if his battery is low. You don't know if his battery is high. You know that he has to accelerate through the intersection to get on the other side of the street or he gets hit by a car. And if he's concentrating on not getting hit by a car and you guys cross the street on your bike and your go-ped and all that, he's going to run you over. And that's like getting hit by a car. And it almost happened to me twice this week where kids are just looking at each other and I'm, uh, I have to cross between... Uh, Dr. Curry's Blue Building and the Winn-Dixie. I crossed there from Sunrise. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I'm not in a full battery. Sometimes I'm half. Sometimes I'm a third. I'm usually going to the hardware store for a quick emergency situation. Someone's called me. An employee said something. I got to do something. Or this radio station. And my God, I accelerate a low battery for fear that car- on com- oncoming traffic. Sometimes you're in the middle of the road because you can only get halfway there and then you accelerate when you get that opportunity because you got the time and guess what the kid is so self-centered so immature so ridiculous or probably and, texting no no in these cases no, there's a in, problem too with in texting this, in, yeah. in this in these cases it's usually bike or these scooters but they're they're they've got piggybacks they got people on their back of their cars um back of their uh bicycles and, and scooters and my God, they scream at me, say, watch where you're going. I go, you're going to die. All I can reply is, you're going to die. I win in this case. You just ruined my life, but I win. I run you over. I'll be fine. You'll be dead or seriously maimed. And it's because you, you didn't look both ways when you cross the street at, a, at, a, at, a, at, a, at speed. You're not walking. Walking people, too. You stand in the corner. The person who walks. You're accelerating as fast as you can because you're in a golf cart and you might not be in full, in full charge. Either way, and the person who's going across the street has got to realize that there's a guy getting ready to bolt out of the other side of the street and he really is up against a car because you'll definitely lose. You'll fly out of your golf cart if you get hit by a car. Oh, right? You'll be all over the place. You'll be maimed and then another car hits you. And Man, kids, folks... We're a golf cart community. We're not just a car community. When you on Crandon crossing streets, not necessarily crossing Crandon. I'm talking about just crossing side streets. Observe the golf cart on the other side of the street who's trying to cross the causeway. He doesn't have the time you have. You can sit there on the corner and wait, but he can. He's got to go when he has the time to go between wads of cars. So anyway, that's not something that can be addressed at the council level. But that but just... needs to be addressed also at home. And I think one of the things, too, is that it, it also goes back to the parents and, and the children and how they educate them or how, you know, it, a lot of these things, uh, you know, the, the sense of your surroundings, I guess, your community. And I go back to that. I mean, one of the things I do want to push is, is just a keep on pushing because we already have a good sense of we already have a lot of activities and a lot of folks are doing good efforts to bring families together and creating a sense of community but we need to also increase that we need to provide more activities and more of a sense of awareness of where we're at where we live and 
and the different gamut and different you know wide perspective of, of, of residents that we have from elderly to young and 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 try to try to create try to raise a level of awareness and create a sense of community you know we're, we're all in it together another thing is I want to ask parents parents you mind if we help <laughs> in yeah. other words can we like scold your kids you know when they practically have uh, get their butts killed because man I'm sorry if you're gonna be upset but I'm gonna rip your kids a new one if I almost run them over Especially when I'm low on battery and I'm barely crossing the, you know, Crandon, and I'm trying to get to the battery. Sometimes, in my case, uh, these older condo buildings, I'm living on the condo for the first time, so I'm learning myself living on this side. I've been living on the other side for 40-something years uh, in, in a home. So I'm actually, many times, zero battery, trying to get to the hardware store, charging overnight, and walking home. So you can imagine... If I got some momentum, I can't stop. I might not ever start again. And the boom, that's when the car hits me and kills me. And uh, my God, folks, you know, if you're going across the street on foot, on a bike, or in those scooters, please look across Crandon and see if there's a golf cart getting ready to cross. Yeah. We did also have <sighs> more residents watching this and... Um I don't call it resident policing because I don't know. I don't really uh, feel that that's that's we don't want to rat on each other, but certainly uh, we want to we want to pay attention. And it, again, it goes back to you know there may be like yesterday I saw a kid pulling out of the Commodore. It was a it was a kid. It was probably eighteen. Picks up on a pickup truck and man, he's going probably about you know he just went from zero to sixty. Two seconds <laughs> and, he, and he's driving right on Ocean Lane and and and, and he's going to stop at the red light anyway. Dogs. There's a lot of there's a lot of human traffic and in dogs. that area and there's a lot of corners yeah run over a dog god forbid run over a child god forbid run over a family i mean this these are things that we change your life be, forever yes i mean and things that we really have to raise our level of awareness and increase our traffic calming and i think that that's an important component yeah um, I, 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 so, uh, what do you got? I still got the same 1654. I still got the same, yeah. Nothing's, I mean, nothing's changed. Nothing's came out yet. So, Cubis Game, once again, is, is a low priority for Miami-Dade County elections. Well, it shouldn't be today because they got, they got the highest uh, voter turnout in Miami-Dade County, from what I hear. Uh, there's 432 precincts reporting out of 1,000, but um, maybe it's taking them a longer time to count. Because we did have a big No, turnout. I just think they don't they just don't count us until later. They just mm. uh ours I guess we the officials gotta come out to here, they gotta take the 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 brain of the the ballot box of the actual machines, they gotta put them in sealed containers that that look like uh they're they're metal, they're metal cast containers, kinda like where you know, where bullets go. If you can imagine that, and I think some of them are handled briefcases made out of fiberglass. Then they got to put them on trucks and take them out to Doral. So that's the delay. You know, it's still eight o'clock. So eight something. Our, our polls closed at seven, right? Our polls, yeah. So, yeah. So you can see how ours wouldn't even be counted. And uh, there's there's a so Chris uh, I mean, at the at the uh, at the government level. Uh, governor level, we got Chris, and just uh, he's cruising. He's he's doing very well. It's amazing how the Democrats could care less that he switched parties years ago. He's an ex-governor, man. He's he shellacked Nikki Freed. I mean, just pummeled her. Yeah. Unreal. Well, yeah. well in that particular case, Democratic support. In that per particular case, 
our mayor will be integral because if he were to shock and awe the world, I find it, you know, a long shot big time. But maybe I'm wrong. And he beats DeSantis. Hello. Guess what? There's only one mayor who has him on his cell phone. And I'm not saying who that mayor is. But if that mayor wins, those are the relationships that we benefit from. There's one particular candidate that just has more intel than others. And all three candidates, I've, I, I've asked them, please come into the studio by yourself or all three together. I still say it today. Who's ever in this runoff, come into the studio and discuss it. Because the way that it would be discussed in here We'd, we'd pick a moderator. I'll just sit here, touch buttons. And by letting people know that you're two adults who can talk face-to-face without hearing the audience, without looking at their faces, without hearing like that two or three people applauding and the other one saying, please don't applaud, uh, the cutting off of the moderator has a, a, a young person saying 30 seconds to keep it mellow, keep it time. Guess what? Here, it's going to be heard, more importantly, as a recording. But live, it's free for all. We could be here for three hours. And then when you hear on the recording, you determine if you want to listen to all three hours. But radio is powerful because all the other things you have to assume, facial expressions, tone, ambiance in the room, who was for, who was against. It's kind of like that first impression when I drove for one second to the elections uh, corner there. And I got a sense of feel by how many supporters were supporting each candidate and who was there. It's a, not a real valid feel, but it was comforting to know that democracy was alive and well. And I just waved. I'm the radio guy. I don't have a say in any of this stuff. All I can do is offer my public service. And what's what I tell people more than ever? Learn to appreciate what people can give you. And in this case... I've given this island a voice that should outlive me. WSQF 94.5, where I blink once, I said it, blink twice. Yeah, I missed it. And that's, I'm not so sure if it's as valuable as people perceive it is, because it was really hard to build. It's a long 24 hours. I'm sorry. Did I just say 24 hours? There goes the Fetterman again. 24 months. 24 months. 24 months to build this station. And almost $200,000. By this time next year, it will be $200,000 in total costs. So, Well, I think it's such an asset to have. It's one of the things also that it's part of that self-sufficiency that we have. It's another. We component. can scream at the village. It's we another, can scream well, at Miami-Dade County. I think it's a tremendous value that adds to the community to have a radio, to have a broadcasting venue that people can come in and express and it's open to the public and only one mayor candidate has come in here very you're very open to that and i and i as a resident i'm thankful for that because uh certainly i mean i don't know i don't know if coral gables or any other i don't know i'm not going to sit here and say i do but that has a local radio for the residents well uh coral gables has has the um station is the only one i can think of but that's fine that's different that's fine but that's that's established programming but this is open 
Yes. This is open to the public. This is an open door policy that Absolutely. we have that is the residents come in and speak Public service voice. to serve. Public service, yeah, a venue to speak, a venue to reach out. And I think it's, it's, a, it, it, it's a shame that folks are not uh, using it. or, or You know who uses yeah. it the most? People off the key. I have right. more people hosting shows here in the last 24. Well, I've been up since 2018, I think. 24 months, I can't remember. I know I got permitted in 17. I wasn't up. So 24, 24 months right. from 2017, I finally found a, a place to put the antenna. So, but I, I had confidence that knowing that, I was going to build out this. Right. And this, obviously, is a very sophisticated studio. So when someone reported that this is antique and old and cramped, do you feel cramped in here? I don't think so. No. So, but, but, but it, but plus I have a curvy couch from Stern. Stern, you know, I have my own curvy couch, but mine's blue. Mm. Ah. <laughs> I have this guy here with me next Yeah, time. well, that's the guy who runs the show. He's, he tells me what I can and cannot say. With his, with his thumbs. Yeah, he goes like that. He thumbs up. And he's a little short than his real height, but it's pretty close. How are you, Donald? Nice to meet you. <laughs> and I moved him away from behind me, only out of respect for someone who was doing a video show that had nothing to do with anything that had to do with politics. So I gave them the courtesy to not have that distraction in their video. But I think he's there now. He's standing guard there. He's like, uh, this is this is Kibiskin's uh, Mar-a-Lago in here. I think, it, again, it goes back to um, being looking back and, and seeing the discussions that went on during this primary. Uh, we forgot to count our blessings. We, we really... Well, too many people wanted to cancel the blessings because of, you know, I don't know, opinions. And I remember I was being called a clown. I wasn't attacking anybody, yet I was accused of just telling the... In my case, if I say something in a chat, Man, I'm telling you, man, it's because I'm a, pro a protagonist in what I'm talking about. I actually was living it. I actually said it because I lived it. And, uh, yeah, I'm opinionated on other chats where it's my conservatism and it's national politics and all that. You can, I, you know, I have opinions about candidates and their positions and stuff. But that's different. But when it comes to elected office, I would never do what was happening out here. That slash and burn of a candidate tar and feather them, uh, lie about them, uh, talk about stuff that out of context. That stuff sucks, man. I wouldn't just not do that. And uh, therefore, I had to act when that was happening on the radio. And I wasn't going to use my platform. Um, and I wasn't going to allow anybody to use my platform that way because I didn't build this thing so that you can rip someone a new one who's running for office, you know. Now, you can call me a hypocrite tomorrow if I have DeSantis and Chris right here in this table going at it. Uh, I'm hoping to God I don't show my favoritism for Ron DeSantis in the interview. That would be tacky on my part to slant it at the, at the benefit and not at the benefit of Charlie Crist. I would like to think that I'd give Charlie a free shot, give DeSantis a free shot. I would probably have some kind of snarky comments that might be swayed one way or the other, but I'm hoping I would be disciplined and not do that, especially in an interview format. Uh, because that's really what I bring to the table. I learned in some bizarre way. Don't know how exactly. But I understand the medium of a 
Joe Rogan or the our famous Charlie Rose. Remember Charlie Rose who mm -hmm. had you in a dark room? Well, this is a blue room. And, uh, you know, I just talk with you, really. Uh, this conversation uh, is pretty pretty much a perfect example of that. You're running for council. I want people to know you. Uh, I have a fan, uh, I'm a fan of your 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 talent both on the keyboard and and your skill in flood control you've already seen uh everything you need to see working in miami beach i mean that play half of that place is artificial i mean half of it is dredge and fill from the days of uh architect lapidus building those hotels I want to say, if I may, I want to talk a little bit, just a little bit about Miami Beach because it was a great experience to be there. And what was your position? Years. My what position was again, city engineer, 15 years, well, it's 12 overall, but uh, as city engineer and director of capital improvements and also director of transportation, by the way, I was in charge of the entire, uh, the whole issue of traffic calming, master planning transportation through the whole city as well as dealing with the major causeways, the Julia Tuttle and the uh, 395, as well as the MacArthur Causeway, as well as the Port of Miami Tunnel, which was a, 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 an interesting uh, feat, fantastic. Uh, and Did, you, did uh, anybody say tunnel? Yeah, did anybody say tunnel, right? Uh, I love the tunnel uh, idea. Know, we, we, we the, the proof is in the pudding. It's, a, it's just a great feat, and, and, it, and it was done uh, It was done fantastically. Was it done under budget? or just uh, It was done over budget. I mean, they, they did fine when you get – they had a large change order uh, that came in, and that was as a how result many, of – How many feet below? Uh, well, it varied. Now, 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 you get, now you put me on the spot a little bit. I want to say probably about 80 feet. There are more than 80 feet or close to 100 feet to get down. Below the seawall? Be yeah, below the seawall? Yeah, yeah, I, I got to go back, Manny. I, I don't, but I, I'm no, just because, yielding to, uh, because I'm I'm yielding to, to my imagine. memory here. But what, 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 I'm, but, but, what, what, I'm, what I was trying to say is that, yeah, I mean, building a tunnel uh, was in the first really large tunnel in South Florida. There, there is no tunnel boring that, I, that I've known. And to that degree, such a short distance that had both vertical and horizontal changes, so it moved kind of like a worm under under the it uh, did it worm because bed. of technology or by design uh, the, the, the technology of it the TBM what's called the, the tunnel boring machine which she would cavitates, move. you know I mean it, it just it, it just basically perforates and 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 and, and it moves through and, and starts cutting right right under the rock. What happened was that because you've got uh, limestone below and you've got all old corals from eons, they found this large cavity and and the and the machine just stopped. It was basically like a hole water, yeah, of air or and, water, and water and yeah, water for the most part. Wow, so it must have been like some freaking dinosaur that disappeared. So there. it's just <laughs> like you know, you've got a condition where you have to you know uh, where that's that must have been cool as hell. What did that look like? Any pictures of that? It must be. Yeah, they got they got pictures. I, wow, I like a cavern. I a tunnel. I've cored a tunnel in Massachusetts, a 14-foot tunnel, which was a replacement for the Haltman Aqueduct, which was uh, an aqueduct that fed water to metropolitan Boston um, from the Wachusa Reservoir. It was about 25 miles, and we did it about 300 feet below down in granite. Wow. And How long did that take? Oh, that took, so we had to do two. We had two. One year had, or two years? No, or? that took like over, oh my God, again, you got me on dates. I no, but just gave, give us close. But started in 19, I mean, I, when I was. I, I was That's deputy, called the Big Dig or no? Yeah, no, that was the Metro West Tunnel Project, which was to be a redundancy to the water supply that went to Boston. 
and it fed by gravity. It came in from the Wachusett Reservoir, which is out high, west in Massachusetts, yeah. all the way down to Weston, outside of Boston, and it was it was fed by gravity. So, but by the sheer you know sheer gravity in itself, what it did, it pumped up the water into these water treatment plants. It was a major project. It was yeah, close to beautiful. It was stuff. close to a billion dollars. I want to say close to eight hundred million. That's how I, that's how I. That was a baptism by fire. As a deputy PM on that one, I worked directly for the What's PM. What's the project manager? A deputy project manager. So it was my first coring job, and it was fantastic. We had two two machines, two TBMs that came in. You one, own them or you lease them? How nah, does that they, work? But the the, the, the con- contractor, contractor yeah, had him. It was Hello? Kiewit. Kiewit was the of contractor, course. and it was I don't know if they leased him or. But um, but there were actually two, and they found they basically they had to meet each other. They had to meet each other, similar to the channel. Wow! So uh, yeah, I mean tunneling technology. So in other words, people, when I saw that drill bit, massive thing, there was one on the other side uh, of Port of Miami. No, no, that was only one. That was only one that did it because of the short distance. When you're talking about larger distances, and depends on the production too. What we call the production is the amount of rock that you can actually bore through. Uh, over here is relatively. Wow, they found it's a, a relatively cavity, weaker that is rock. Cool. Yeah, they found a pretty cavernous area, but it's relatively weaker rock. It's kind of it's almost like toothpaste when you think about it. Yeah, you know, we've like, seen it. It can do it. You, you, you can you can crank out pretty quickly a construction, but nobody. You know, I'm, I'm just saying. I'm only speaking. Uh, so but, you suspect that, that another, would be. We did another tunnel project in Miami, sm- smaller, uh, for City Center. It was, um, and I also put a. a a post on my Instagram City Center, page. folks, is the one that's off Brickle there. Yeah, on my Instagram page, I put an South post Miami there. Avenue and we did H it Street. from Second Street. Well, what happened is that uh, the uh, Downtown Development Authority, obviously, as you know, they rebuilt the entire area of Brickle City Center, and uh, you're talking also about the, well, the overall city center. But that area was being served by a 12-inch sewer. So you can imagine these buildings are just going up, and it looks like Manhattan. Yeah. And they only have a little pipe. This about no a way. Foot. There's no way. So we had to come in with an, with a rush job, with an emergency. It's not an emergency, but a top priority job to accommodate for the amount of water sewer that was going to be produced in that area to sustain. In That's what and I call out. concurrency. To be concurrent with the development, we had to do a tunnel, but we couldn't. We couldn't do it open cut. We couldn't build a pipe open cut because if we did open cut, we would disrupt traffic all over the place. Okay, open cut means that you can open see it from the street. Open cut meaning you excavate, and plus you got all kinds of... Once you start going, nobody sees what's underground. Yeah. You yeah. have to see an excavation below a city street to actually see what's below. You've got anything from smaller pipes to large pipes, anything. You can find anything. You can find Jimmy Hoffa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? But um, so what we did is that uh, we did a 54-inch microtunnel. Which was a uh, TBM that we got from the Belgium. It was a Be- uh, TBM that we got from Belgium, and it was and fantastic. And here, in this and case, it's al- in, by the way, it's Al Capone, 15, not, not, Ma- yeah, not Hoffa. We did in about 15 months of memory serves well. And we had to get under, we had to do Coralway. We had to come in from Coralway, from Brickle. Then we had to cut through 2nd, all the way up to 7th. And uh, build a new pump station there as well. So you were so, standing, you could physically stand behind this tunnel or no? stand behind him. In other words, when they drill, is there manpower that comes behind it or no? Well, yeah, it's more like a jack and bore type thing. You know, it's pushed hydraulic and you just push it. This is this was a jack and bore operation. This was not so much you of a You actually core. can push it? Yeah, you got to push it. You actually, what you do is that you put in a sleeve, you first put in the sleeve and then you core right through that so the pipe is protected. 
Yeah. Wow. So how, how you, when you mean push, you, something's got to be scratching at it. No. Yeah. You. It's just. Uh, it's the same thing as if you're driving a pile, but you're driving a pile horizontally as opposed to driving it. But you also have the support of the machine. Yeah. The machine itself is grinding it up. It's grinding it up. Weaking, and you're pushing, it, weakening you're pushing, it. You're pushing it right. So, it's so then, but, so then, what job. happens on the other side? It starts accumulating there, or you guys? Start no, you sucking. build a shaft. What you do is that you build a large shaft, which is basically just a large opening. And this is a 25-foot wide diameter. We took the entire road. Yeah. We basically had to use a And someone comes to, and picks that stuff up or what? Uh, you know, yeah, the yeah you, extract, you extract the debris and then you, you pipe it up. Well, you also have, a, you also have a, a, a conveyor belt. You pick it up through that and you take it out and you truck it out. So, yeah. Wow. So a conveyor belt, does that mean shovels or does it just happen? It just means different ways of picking it up however you pick it up. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's people down there, balls to the wall, shoveling onto and these And you have variations, too, because this was a gravity. We had to go by a slope. It's not necessarily that we were just coring straight. So now you have to have a lever that actually tells you which degree you're 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 getting yeah. this thing. Or else through. you miss your mark. Right. So it's, you know. Plus, you, plus water can come in and just drown everybody. Right. I mean, it's a method that can be applied, especially when you're building. You know, one of the things that I regret a little bit in Miami Beach, especially getting into areas where we had to increase neighborhoods, where we had to increase pipe sizes very substantially. Because remember, we have our pipes right now. They're about, you know, between 12 inches to 18, 24 inch pipes. That's not that bad. But then we have to go to, say, a 54 inch pipe. to. Pick okay, up one precinct's flow. reported. Timeout news alert. Okay. New alert. 1912. Votes have been counted, and the ratio is Fausto 30.49, Katie still. 26.67, the, and oh, Roscoe is in the lead at 42.83, and he's at 819 votes. Fausto's at 583 votes. Katie's at 510, but the number has gone up 400 votes. And therefore, one precinct has reported. That sounds like the combination of early voting and it seems like houses. I'm not so sure. I really don't know for sure. Because the condos, I'm not saying that the condos, it seems like the houses would vote more percentage-wise. Mm-hmm. More house people would come to vote than the condo people who are less likely to be informed. Condo people live in a certain surreal world where not really, especially a place like Key Colony and Ocean Club where you're barely communicating with people, people are really minding their own business in condos, in and out, in and out, and in a park routine, park routine, open the door. You're more worried about your key working in the lobby than you are about anything else. And I know that because I'm learning this for the first time, and it sucks. Hmm. Living in a condo. Especially after living in a home for so long. Yeah, it's just not conducive to my lifestyle. Just, just, just the being cognizant of my dog having to co- go out and go down and go through the routine, waiting for her to do her thing, waiting for her to, you know, and then and letting her jo- enjoy being outside. She's still an animal, so that whole thing kind of cramps my style. Period. So, I mean, what, we're looking of over two thousand votes. Uh, close oh, which, to 2,000 what do you what do you got? Coming in. I got nineteen twelve. What do you have? No, I have the same thing. I have overall five eighty three, five ten. Okay, so we're seeing the same screen. And eight nineteen. So we are close to two thousand votes. Yeah, we're, but no, you got to be very specific. These elections are going to be. Uh, I mean, just do the. There's going to there's right? probably going to be a separation between eighty to one hundred votes between one candidate and the uh-huh. other. 
Right now, it looks like two two of them have in the 500s, and Roscoe has the 819. Mm -hmm. So that ratio... Almost double. Yeah. That ratio will... That ratio will probably stay that way, and therefore... At this point, yeah, unless something changes. uh, uh, Katie's uh, creeping up on Fausto. And... uh, we got to see here now, my homie Alberto Peroche, uh, I'm afraid that I don't know exactly what the hell I'm doing because I have difficulty finding him. And I know he was up at the top here. And um, as soon as I find him, I'm going to ask you to flood, excuse the pun, Flood the radio with conversation because dead air is moral blow to radio. And uh, I'm really having a difficulty just using the freaking mouse. And I still don't see my homie, Alberto Baroche. And I'm looking for him. And he was losing by 30 points in early voting, which I believe was mail-in voting. Now, here's a guy that I wish would have won. I don't know if he has or has not yet. 705 precincts out of 1,045 precincts. Jesus, how can this be so? Oh, no, because it's a judge. Well, Rainier Diaz-Portilla is brother of Miguel Diaz-Portilla. There's another Diaz-Portilla. I think, uh, uh, I think uh, I'm not sure if he's in politics, but the whole family was very political. They've all been elected at one time or another. But Rainier was the one who would second the motions with Raquel Regalado on the school board. So we have a lot to be thankful for with Rainier because he was our supporter when we wanted to build MAST. And I'm not so sure too many people in Key Biscayne understood that. I, I posted it in a chat. and made it very clear to people and uh, doesn't seem to show in the elections. 220,000 people have voted for this judge, Judge Group 5. And Rainier is losing 42 to 57 percent. So uh, that I think has a lot to do with his brother. And his brother picked a terrible time to vote for a homeless shelter on Virginia Key. Not a good idea. I'm looking at yeah, I'm looking here at Katie and Fausto. They're very close. Yeah, you got to bring your microphone closer to you because remember, without your microphone, you're a nobody. Here on Blink Radio 94.5 WSQF. Radio.com live stream, folks. Don't ever forget, if you're driving around town with the windows down, you can be on live stream worldwide, even in the Ukraine. WSQF Radio.com live. Now, one thing about my website, since there's uh, a lot of music on all the time, most of the time, there's music playing good old rock and roll. There is an arrow for the rock and roll. It's not just for the songs. You should play a little Mozart once in a while. I think I don't you like. Would... I love old rock. Uh, trust me. My first concert was Led Zeppelin at the Boston Garden. Oh my God! Never. And I'm not going to say how old I am, but I never got to oh, listen I to Led Zeppelin. Yeah, I saw them at the Boston Garden. I got to see at the, the Stones. Boston Garden. The Garden, the man, garden. And, the, and you were what in your teens? So I was, was yeah. I mean, I know, hot, uh, the height of their fame. I was yeah back then. Uh, Damn, I would have to release my age. Well, they know it by now. Sure, so, the uh, greatest, the greatest. Those two bands were the greatest bands, and also Leonard Skinner and yeah. also ACDC. I got to see. Uh, I mean, back then I got to see Led Zeppelin. I got to see Billy Joel. 
I got to see Sticks. I mean, I can tell you, we, I had buddies. Oh, you got Sticks. I had buddies that we used to Sticks had to that drummer. I, was, I, I lived up in. Um, who's that? Who's that whiz that was a drummer for Sticks, man? That, uh, was, that guy was. Oh God, I can't remember right. Journey. I got to Rush, see. Rush. I got to see Rush. Rush. I wow. got to see. Hang on, hang on. Now you got me thinking. Yeah. Back. Yeah, uh, Boston. You get to see everybody. Rick Derringer. I don't know if you know Rick Derringer. No. Rock and roll coochie coo. <laughs> Remember that? No, I can't say I know Rick Danger. Oh, I do not. Know. You'll know it. Uh, let's see. I never saw Floyd. I did. I mean, the height of it was Zep and it was uh, it was Sticks back then. Wow, man. Yeah, and yes, I saw yes. Yes. Rick now that Rick guy. Man, Rick McMahon was still at the keyboards back then. And no, and yes uh, was famous for uh, 360 degree drum set. Yes, yeah, the same thing with the keyboards. Yes. Oh, with really? Rick, with, yeah, with Rick Wakeman. Wow. Yeah, you, we can talk. Hey, Rick about, Rick well, Wakeman, he's passed away. No, I think he's still alive. He is. Yeah, I think. I don't know. I mean, wow. last I saw him, obviously, he still got his hair. Oh, maybe he runs. Like maybe a, runs for council in a, a couple kid. years. <laughs> <laughs> I'd vote for him, man, bro. Because if you're not gonna come with a keyboard, I know Back he would. Back in the days, oh my God! Wow, that really is amazing. So here we are. I'm still, believe me. Ever oh, since yeah. I, you know, since I keep on talking to him, I, I, I forget in what direction I'm going with the mouse so I can see these things. And uh, Trudy Chris is now 62. Wow. Everybody, All I can say, man, is that I never touched so many subjects so quickly at the yeah, same time. Man, with, I'm following yeah, you. I'm yeah, following man, you. we're going on two hours already. This is how it's done. We just can't have silent time. Annette Tadero. Oh, for one, she's winning. Okay, here we go. She's shellacking everybody in her run for Congress. 68%. She's one lousy, one lousy candidate. But anyway, she's gonna be. Looks like he's gonna be facing Maria Salazar for the district for the general. Mm. And Maria Elvira Val Jennings also running against Marco Rubio. She got seventy nine percent. Another ass whooping. Okay, and I can say ass on the radio, by the way, folks. So don't be offended. Rhonda Lopez, a good friend. Uh, I I'm very fond of Rhonda. Fifty four. So she's winning her primary. Rhonda, good luck, Rhonda. I I think she's very very cool lady. You know, I met her during the uh, uh, the Cruz um, Trump primary. I of course was Cruz coming in second place there. So I'm I have a feeling I'm gonna get close to Perosh. Here we go, one thirteen. My homie Perosh is getting uh, is getting beating sixty eight to thirty three. And 22 of the 54 precincts are reporting. So he's not quite at half, but um, I, I got to say, man, uh, hopefully his door knocking, he outdoor knocked her by a lot. So Vicky Lopez, and I think I got uh, Vicky correct because I was calling her Anna and that was wrong. So excuse me, Vicky, because you deserve your name to be called correctly. I'm sorry that I'm confused with God knows whom. Although in Miami, calling anybody Anna is uh, something that, you know, it's going to happen. So uh, And you can even say it backwards. Cool. I mean, that's that engineer in you, man. I tell you. You know, you can figure those things out. Say it backwards and you get that too. It's kind of like the, you know, the tunnel. Not, same you know, the, results. The two tunnels meeting at the same time, meeting each other. What happens, by the way, when the tunnels don't meet or do they know in advance that they're making a mistake? You get an oh crap moment. <laughs> <laughs> right, because it's way down there. 
if we were to do a tunnel, remember I mentioned that. Uh, that meme where you see the bridge and the immediate. By the way, at the federal level, Matt Gates has uh, won his primary, thank God. And Laura Loomer, uh, I know Laura, she's coming in second place again. Laura's gutsy, gutsy conservative in a very liberal district, man. They they pummel. Are you looking at the national. I'm doing the national, yeah, as, as I'm watching here. And Carlos Jimenez is shellacking everybody in the Republican field, 76% vote. Oh, my God. Yeah, Chris really came out, left everybody behind. Demings is 84%. And a lot a lot of people will run just to get their name out there to run again. So that's the story of politics. Uh, Maria Elvira won 80% against Polo. Yeah, and I thought that one. was a waste of time to vote for Frank. I mean... You know, Frank, 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 you know, just another Frank. But Marilvita's 92% conservative voting record, and they just won't forgive her for being against the AR-15. And I keep on telling my folks, folks, please, man. The other the other side wants to take all your guns. She only wants to take one. <laughs> and people don't realize that, that in the gun control battle, the, the, the argument for gun control is really stupid because a criminal... It has uncontrollable guns. They get all the guns. I mean, there's a lot of people that as soon as they pass gun control, they'll sell their gun as opposed to someone knocking on their door and taking it from them or demanding that it be returned to them. They're going to get cash for it. It's the, the most ridiculous thing. You go to any place, you get in your car, you hit the turnpike, and you go to any gun show in Alabama from Florida, and believe me, you're going to get cash for it, especially if it's a good gun that's barely shot. I mean, my God, the left continues with, you know, ignoring the fact that the good guy kills the bad guy with a gun. It's a good guy, you know. You got, you know, you're screaming and hollering for a gun. Well, thank God you can scream and holler for a gun. Someone, one of your friends has a gun and shows up and defends you. I mean, it's just, why be disarmed in a world of crime? I don't get it. The whole world's been violent since, since my childhood, since the beginning of time. We've always wanted to covet. One thing about the human race you can always count on, the human being has always coveted the other person's stuff. Period. Is that why it's one of the Ten Commandments? Yes, don't covet mm -hmm. another man, your neighbor's wife. We've always coveted. Since the your caveman, neighbor's gun? Huh? Don't covet your neighbor's gun? There you got to be careful. you got to be careful because the gun might be pointed at you when you go to grab to steal it. You know, it might be uh, too late. You know, it's one of those things where uh, going to police officers, you gave me a perfect opportunity. Can a police officer afford anybody to grab his gun? Of course not. So shoot before they shoot you. Imagine getting shot by your own gun. Do you remember the wrestling just recently? By the way, we're waiting for the local. As soon as we get the results, you know, we're off the air. So there's Charlie admitting, def uh, admitting victory. The most That guy is one of the most the most successful candidates in America who who should have ran for president a long time ago. Charlie. He's dapper. He's smooth. Nothing ties him down. Uh, he had an opportunity to meet him in Tampa over us. It was actually a... He yeah, runs but... for president, and we got problems. Charlie Chris, 59%. I've said that many times. If Charlie Chris uh, would run for president... He would be a threat. He debates well. He's an ex-Republican, so he comes across as one. And he'd give the president, uh, the Democrats, I believe, their best shot. So, just got an update, Manny. 
Go for it. I, I'm, I'm looking, but just my screen just changed. It may not be us here. I no, got no increases on on Key Biscayne. No, 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 no changes. I there's mean, two more precincts reporting on Vicky Lopez and Alberto Baroche. Uh huh. And she got more. She got more votes. She's at 3207 right now, and Alberto Baroche is at 1612. And uh, one thing that we can do is. What we can do is that you can you can go ahead and I'll just keep on talking and go ahead and pretend like you just won the council seat and go to your council and go to your dais and do what's best because I will hold the fort and I don't I don't really believe that I'm going to be nervous. It, it pretty much means that I can do this by myself. So it's. It's some of those things where radio, we're going on a couple hours now. Radio is a thing that if you don't really understand that this is the worst thing for radio, which is that is terrible for radio. You've got to always be talking. And since I was told since I was a non-stutterer, because I stuttered in first grade, Nobody can shut me up now. People told me on the key for years. I was always political. I was always an activist. I was always involved in what was going on. I was always told to shut up, go get your own radio show. And guess what? I find it really hilarious that 20 years after being told that for the first time, might even be 40 years ago for Christ's sake, who knows? But I've been told a lot. Yeah, man, I heard that already. Go get your own radio show. I don't want to hear it again. And people running to their cars with their coffees in their hands because I'm coming after them <laughs> to tell them something before they go to work. And I used to stand around the Oasis. I sometimes was there longer than everybody else, a couple hours, three hours, holding court. Uh, most people just going, oh, my God, here he goes again. And the comment would be, man, you need to be on the radio. <laughs> and lo and behold, because what happened to Trump happened 10 years after me, people don't realize and don't even give it the importance that I give it, which is the only one that matters. When I lost my, my this, uh, ability to speak in, speak in public as an elected person, which was PTA president, and I wasn't allowed to speak on the, uh, over this particular subject matter on the school, I couldn't use the cafeteria, I couldn't be on the sidewalk, I couldn't use the hallways. I was told that I couldn't even mention it. The bylaw said that I can't be on a campaign. And I wasn't on a campaign. I was using a law. And I was demanding that parents take over this freaking school building. And don't. what's really incredible about charter conversion is that it's the most perfect charter. Why? Because it's not charter. Charter implies rent. Parents getting a charter approved by the county on the condition that someone's going to build them a facility. They can't get the charter approved without having a window to find the developer once they got it approved. In other words, they can have it. They don't necessarily have the building. They get approved. But the window starts closing really quick. They got to find someone to lease them a building, build them a building, a place where they're going to have a facility. And there's a window there. Maybe it could be extended. I'm sure it has been in, in other cases. But it's rent. The person who builds your stuff is asking for rent. The state of Florida is paying 
the parents and through the parents are paying the rent. And it goes directly to the developer, by the way. It doesn't come. You just name goes and the money goes. Name the child in the school, money goes. If a child gets in a charter, that means siblings get in the charter too. The little brother, the little sister, they all get in. Everybody gets in. That's the beauty of charter. But in charter conversion, my friend, people don't know this. You don't pay rent because you're just taking over the school. All the kids stay. Everybody stays. You can add kids. Why? Because kids move, kids leave, kids flunk out, whatever. But they have the right. All Kiva Scanners have the right to go to K-8 Center just by living here in 33149. But it's the only situation against the Busing Act of 1960 exception that Kennedy put in as president over segregation, it's the only place where you can exclude people from outside the 33149 after a person graduates that got in through the Busing Act. In other words, people from Miami, there's a, the Busing Act said if, if, an, uh, if a disadvantaged student was super excellent in math and their neighborhood school sucked at math teaching, they could come to Key Biscayne and had an excellent math program. That's basically the Busing Act. And it was a way to segregate the population during days of segregation. So high-performing minority kids could come out to, oh, basically 90% uh, Caucasian family. And, and Key Biscayne would be Latin as well, brown, and brown, black, and, and white. And that's the Busing Act. So when, when you convert the school to charter, everybody stays, no matter who they're, where they're from. Once those people graduate from that other area code, the new kid doesn't have to be replaced by the same area code as the old kid. And now eventually becomes 100%-33149. Sure, that someone's going to contest it and want to go to court, but the parents have a standing now to go to court because they're operating their school. Right. They're administering their school. And for the life of me, it doesn't... I don't get it. I don't get it. I talk about it just about every time I'm on the air. I don't get how can the United States be in the situation they're in over school, now magnified by COVID, because teachers don't even want to teach now, and we're willing to not address the only answer to public school in the country is what I did here in 2013. Just amend the law. The law is flawed. You can't have teachers undermining a parent's ability to take over their school. Why? Because I guarantee you, if you vote with parents, the superintendent's firing you. You're going to end up in Alapata. So, of course, you're going to vote against the parents. And guess what? The parents are paying the taxes. So now, I lost miserably. That's the first time to do this. And I knew I was going to, learn, you know, going to have a terrible time at it. And I knew my daughter was going to be abused because I goes, the, parent, the teachers were going to hate my guts. But imagine if it would have been victory in the parents and a defeat by, by way of the teachers because they vote separately. They two different ballot boxes. Mm -hmm. You would have hated the teachers the next year. God damn, God damn it, we wanted to take back our school last year and you guys vetoed the whole thing. That's what I told Charlie Crist. That's what I told him. You got to change the law. You passed it. It's closed society law. You can't have a law that's called... The Florida Parent Empowerment Law, 1002-33, Clause 3B, I use 3B. 1002.33 is the actual statute itself of all the types of education. And charter is becomes 3A, 3B. Well, another school called me up right away. 
since I was the first. And unfortunately, and fortunately, they called me, asked me what to expect. And I said, well, are you prepared to take on the onslaught of the school board and everything they got to get you to look bad, be bad, and maybe ask you to resign or something? Like what happened to me? And he goes, I don't have that problem. I'm the principal here. I'm retiring. And I got the teachers. So the only school to has convert in all this time, which says a lot about the American people and their real love for their, their kids, is not that great. They're not willing to sacrifice. The people who do love their children, what are they saying? Well, I took my kid off to private school. Okay, fine. But you're still paying 50% of your taxes to the public one. It's the fact. America turns on its head from a business standpoint if half of your taxes is not going to a school that's not run by parents. Think about that. It's monumental, and that's what the politicians fear. Oh, what is the school district going to be left with if all the affluent people take their schools back. Hello? Is it about the United States or is it about you? Or about what you think? Why should my kids sink into the abyss because I'm affluent? Why should the kids fail and keep escaping because they're affluent? Sandra sat right there who's running and getting shellacked by an incumbent school board member. I told her, why don't you fire a trigger letter? And Sandra, if you lose tonight, fire a trigger letter tomorrow for t next school year. As soon as you come in there, find a parent, fire the trigger letter. The law, the law allows two parents, or parent or teacher, or an ESAC member, like a parent's grandparents who's an ESAC member, which is an excellent in something, I don't know, council. Like a little council there of volunteer people who come after school or tutors. The ESAC members are kind of given a, quite a lot of pull in that law, considering that they're you know, they, very volatile volunteerism. You know, you don't know who is in and who is not yearly. At least PTAs are elected, you know, it's, you know, kind of a thing. So that's the future of the nation. That's the future. So, Sandra, if things don't work out for you, fire the trigger letter. And when you get done with firing the trigger letter, you're going to help me amend the law. Why? Because you're going to give me evidence that, look, I did it with two parents. If we do it with a teacher and a parent, I have more uh, bullets in my gun, per se. I have something to go to the politicians with and say, look, they tried it again. And again, it was the teachers. Only this time, they're not going to make you resign, and they're probably not going to make the other parent resign and create that whole snafu kind of reminding me of this election for mayor where everything poorly was said about someone. And the other person uh, had to also receive a lot of disparaging stuff. And I, I know the feeling. I just know the feeling. So anyway, have you got a new? Uh, you got an update now? Not yet. I don't see any. I'm not sure if it. It doesn't say whether it's. I'm, I'm trying to look at the. Um, uh, unfortunately, uh, Miami Beach. I see my, my screen kind of. To give you an idea of, of okay, so. the the really lack of integrity in this election. Uh, did you know that the Police Benevolent Association supported someone who had been received a, a presidential pardon over someone who had never been charged with anything? Huh. And the Police Benevolent Association supported Vicky Lopez over Albert Perosh. And from that moment on, I said, oh, my God. 
blasphemy, man. A police benevolent association couldn't support the person who never been charged with anything, as opposed to someone who claims to be wrongly convicted and pardoned by Bill Clinton. So, what's really uh, really despondent about that fact is that Vicky Lopez was elected in Lee County. You know how many people went to the slammer in Lee County? <laughs> it was like a trail of tears. I think it was three of them on a, on a county that's the Fort Myers area. It's not a huge population. No. How did everybody go down on the clink? Only she got off. The others didn't. And then she was participating in some type of student uh, uh, rehabilitation, like a student outreach. She was on the board, and money disappeared there too. And again, no evidence. So you know what I mean? And now it comes down to Miami, sent from up there, from the Tallahassee folks, sent here to go run against that Venezuelan guy that, that, that you know, campaigning with sunglasses and a cowboy hat, Mr. Mr. Vera himself. And Alba Perosh is very much like, uh, very much like me in, in temperament. Uh, we speak our minds, to say the least. And I, I, I had him here on the radio, and uh, he had a lot more integrity. And look, boom, 66 to 33. And, it's not, and it looks terrible in the percentage terms. It's 3,200 votes to 1,600 votes. That's what's going on with 25. Wow. Let's see if that gets turned around. So anyway, that's what you I have know, to say. I'm not seeing any changes here on the... Yeah, Cuban's case not, not even being considered right now. I have no idea why the delay... It, it feels like we're still partial. Okay, there was a, my screen just renewed, but still we're, uh, it doesn't look like it's fully counted. I may be wrong. But um, I think I, I, I believe. I do a better job at reporting this. I don't think that, and when you look at the one thing that I wanted and that I was noting is that when you look at the respective precincts, you, you can't. Maybe it's somewhere else that it tells you. Maybe the color signifies, but I don't see anything here being fully reported yet. Yeah, it's one of those things where I think it's good. We're on the radio. We want it to be decided by 9 o'clock. It doesn't look like it's going to be decided till late. And yeah. it doesn't look like Key Biscayne's going to be reported until very late, probably not even till tomorrow since we're such a small little blip. Well, this is all NPA. So they're, they're re it's reported as yellow, but it doesn't say fully counted. Okay, so tell, me, tell the audience what yellow means because I don't, so they must be asking. I believe, I mean, because I'm looking at the summer, and I'm just, I think, because these are communities that this is a nonpartisan election, so perhaps, but then again, you got the county judges. I don't, I have to, I, I don't want to. Yeah, I got it. So we're basically we're still at the conclusion that everything we're seeing are just mail in ballots. Because there's also people. Oh, we, we have we have votes counted. So nothing from the precincts day. itself. We have votes counted on election day, but it does it gives you the partially reported. It gives it to you overall. It doesn't state give a scan on itself whether it's partially reported or not. So I'm just checking here in the. Yeah, maybe maybe the, check the village of Kibiskay. Maybe they, they they probably can't be ahead of Day County anyway. Uh, I think it, by law Day County is the official vote tally. So, you know, you probably have to stick with them. I mean, we just have to stay here on this site and go up and down. And I guess I'm just going to stay on 
Sandra is at 35 now to 64. That's 34,000 voted. 112 precincts out of the 115. Mm. So that looks like uh, it ain't going her way. It's not going to happen. Uh, Marie Teresa, by the way, I called you twice to be on Blink Radio. And I didn't get a call back. And uh, I, you're always welcome now to, to speak your mind here. You know that Cuba Scans, uh, uh, a community itching, itching, itching to take over their school, okay? So just give us our school already, you know what I mean? Let us run our school, please. Yes. So she looks like she's going to win very convincingly. So we said 33, so I'm trying to calculate here. So it's 33 out of 40. One of one precinct. I don't know what that means. I don't know that. There can't be a precinct and not all the precincts because we're three precincts here and they're all in one location. So it's, you know, it doesn't make any sense that this is just going on forever. Keepers game just comes in late, period. And now there is, there is a comment here that there are no conservatives running for council. And I don't believe that's true. Would you consider yourself a conservative? Absolutely. You do. So I I got to be able to say it here. I got a conservative here in the house. So there's one conservative. And I believe, I don't I, I can't speak for the other council. Quite frankly, I don't know. I know that there is one other conservative. So there's two of you. Actually, there's three of you. I forgot the incumbent is a conservative, a very fiscal conservative, fiscal hawk kind of person. So there's three of you. Why would someone in the chat say there's no conservatives running? That's not true. The problem is it's always subjective what conservative is. We're the biggest bunch of homie gaslighters. And we're mimicking the Democrats who invented gaslighting. (laughs) You know, everything was about race, everything's about minority, rich and poor, everything is gaslighting for the Democratic Party. But for for us Republicans not to realize that when you make those statements, that's gaslighting. Because quite frankly, I don't think there's anybody more conservative than me in this whole place. Why? Because when I lose my freedom of speech, I build a radio station to get it back. That's conservatism. Do what you lose and do it. What are you gonna do about it? Well, I'll tell you what I'm gonna do about it. What I lost for one mile, I picked up for 10. Hello? Everybody else, I think, is liberal. Well, I, you know, I think there's a misnomer when you think of, you know, a lot of people think of conservatism as being, a, you know, a commitment to perhaps uh, old traditional values and, 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 uh, and maybe some reticence about change or innovation. And, and, I, and I don't think that. I think that, uh, you know, um, I don't think conservatives are in themselves uh, opposed to change and innovation as long as it doesn't stagnate the economy or it doesn't stagnate society. I mean, obviously, conservatives... Like defunding are, the police. Right. Or, or making it worse. I mean, I think conservatives in themselves, I'm, I myself, uh, 
think that, I mean, I obviously hold on to traditional values because I do believe in the family and I do believe in the sense of community. And you have one. And I do have one. Because you're married. Yes, I've been married for 20 years. Is my only, my first and only, I married only one time. Okay. So uh, I, I believe in the family. I believe in, in the cultural value family provides into a community. And parent uh, and a father who actually fathers. Yeah. And you know, I, I want to preserve those those institution that that particular institution because I think it's critical, and it really hits at, at the community level. Uh, but that doesn't take away the fact that I'm not particularly interested in in innovation and great new ideas for society to be better. Um, you know, I, uh, th- there is perhaps a, a, a you may want to think of a concern, but but there are components that I think should be. Uh, available to everybody, like water. Hello, um, you know, right? And uh, the, and and, and mm-hmm. coming in and coming in an orderly way, right? I mean, I, I don't think everything should be available. I'm not a statist. I obviously don't think that the government should provide everything for everybody. But I do believe that there's some basic needs and some basic components that only the government can do. Can, can do because of the amount, because of the magnitude, the sheer reach. The budget that is required to do, but you know, people like everything else, they abuse it, they abuse it, and they take it to. An oh, extreme. we don't really. So uh, since it's the, under the, the ground, the, like you say, we don't like we don't uh, improve it as the community grows. Right. I mean, I, I think we could benefit out of, uh, especially when you see. We were talking a minute ago about you know children being more of, of teenagers being more disrespectful and, you know. Uh, being more prone to uh, not 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 accommodating themselves to to the community, um, plus all the different cultural differences. And yes, that adds to it. You know, I think Hispanics, all us Hispanics, to a certain degree, are more conservative in our way of thinking and the tradition of you know religion and family and and all that. I think that's just the way that we grew up. I don't. I, I think enough, the problem I mean, is oddly that enough, uh, we have a lot of problems when we're, when we're not. Yes. Because we get a lot of peer pressure and scolding from friends and family when we suck at being parents. I mean, right. uh, back in the day, I remember fellow Cuban dads literally bringing me home by the collar, putting me in my front door, knocking on my door. Have you been looking for him? I got him. Citizens arrest. And they would, my, my mother would open the door and find me there. Uh, <laughs> I think, you know, but once uh, stability is once you have a, a, a method for a, a stable society and the community is if you don't really if you haven't really assessed how to reinvent the wheel then don't do it if you really you know if you really don't know which direction you want to take it don't go in that direction go in the direction that is proven tested you know and, and true and that's that's when I'm that's when I stand as a conservative I do and and you know I also believe strongly in Making sure that we that we take care of our environment, and that's an important component. I don't see how you can be a flood engineer and not be concerned about the environment. Well, you definitely course. would be more concerned than I would be. Uh, I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a person that just has to hand that issue over to someone else. Now, I must say, I think I've told you this personally before. I think we've had dinner over this issue. One thing that is very clear in my mind is that I'm not really impressed with the industrialization of the human race to the point where it changes the temperature of the planet. I find us way, 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 way 
too amateurish to be so sophisticated in our technology and our and our carbon footprint on this earth that we can change its planet its temperature okay but there is one thing to say i mean back before we before the industrial revolution uh technological revolution etc we extracted the energy that the sun produced every year we used that energy to the degree that we were able to use it and capable of using it but we've gone beyond that we've extracted now extracted energy that's been sitting in the bottom you know under earth for Eons. That creates the torque for industry. Right, exactly. In the, in Without the, effort, the torque. In, in the effort of industrializing. Our, our, so, but does it go to the degree of warming the earth? That, you know, I've sat in. Wait, 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 wait. wait. Let me clarify. Let sat, me clarify. Yeah. Although I do believe that at some time between being being born and me dying, that the temperature's gone up, but it's also gone down. Has the flooding gone up? But it's also gone down. But the Earth has been. I lived on the ocean for. I, I lived on the ocean for forty years. Right. I saw tides go up and down, right. and I also saw extreme high tides and normal high tides. But I also saw the obvious that the tides were much higher when the moon was full. That right. just knew that. Right. Therefore, when I started studying climate change and realizing what ridiculousness it was, I realized there was an industry behind it. Steal from the United States, give to the underdeveloped world in carbon credits to develop their economies. Somehow, it would raise all ships. But one thing my audience has got to learn, that I learned the moment I read it, I realized, wow, what a scam. The Earth, six million miles closer to the sun in July than in December. That is a mammoth difference of temperature, mammoth distance as well. And the Earth is, I think it's a hundred million miles less in diameter than what is the gaseous layers of the sun. And since the sun can never be measured, it will never be measured. It can only be hypothesized because you can't get close enough to even get close enough because <laughs> it just disintegrates any instruments known to man. You just never to get close enough to the earth to be able to, I mean, to the sun to be able to measure it. And the only thing we have been able to do all these years is know how many projectile sunspots are coming out and sun flares, sorry, sunspots being formed and sun flares projecting out in the thousands and there have been moments in history where it's in the hundreds. That's when we've had the, the cold snaps, you know, on different sides of the equator, depending on. Because sunspots generate these cold spots in the sun, which, believe me, I'm sure are not really cold. They're just colder uh, than everything I else. Mean, are we contributing? I, I believe we are contributing. Nah. But the question is to what degree we are contributing nah. in, in contrast with... In the context of the size of the Earth, the size of the Sun, and all other energy releases that the Earth has through plate tectonics, volcanoes, uh, you know, atmospheric changes, etc. But I mean, all that, those perfect point. Play a role, perfect point. Play a role in when it. the volcano blows, when that biggest one, what's oh, the biggest was, one? Kilimanjaro. Which one's the biggest one? I don't know. No, it's well. I mean, the largest explosion, Volco Krakatoa. You're talking about Krakatoa. 
Is it still? Is I don't know. I don't remember. I'm active volcanoes. Whenever that but, big bang comes and the volcano just loses its mind, but the cloud is going to be the cloud. Depending on how the wind is blowing, the cloud's going to cover entire continents. Right. Those people are going to have frozen. Their, they're going to freeze their butts off. What I can tell you is that I've been in rooms talking with. One time we were in Miami, we, we had a conference about climate change, and they were in one table. There were scientists, and the other one were economists. There was Wall Street there, and there was also FEMA, the federal government. And I went from, we were going from table to table, and not one of them had a clear idea. Not even the scientists, within even the scientists, they could not, they could not reach. But what does that to, say? Well, what, what that says is that, what that's, okay, what that says is that there's been, Somebody has identified or it's been identified that humans do provide an impact. An impact. The question Yeah, is, Elon said that. The, the question is I agree. If Elon says that I agree. Degree. Okay. <laughs> yeah, to we what, took carbon out to from the center degree. and we we now left it in the atmosphere. It goes back to being measured. To to, to what degree are we affecting the climate? But, but but the reality, man, is that we are experiencing higher tides. We are experiencing more storms. Is it cyclical? I, I believe I it is. I haven't lived four billion years. I haven't lived. Four all billion. I've only lived all, six years. All people from Argentina have lived four billion years. Well, you know, it's a tough so much they right? they've lived <laughs> so much so that even God had to recognize and make him pope. That's when <laughs> you know there's me, a God. You know, they you, found an Argentina and made him pope. You know there's a God. Well, anyway. I was. Uh, I don't know, but. Um, by the way, he was—he uh, wasn't born in Argentina, no, or were you? I was born in Boston. Boston, kids, you went to oh, that's right. I forgot you went to Led Zeppelin. I'm a Bostonian. I was born and raised in Boston. My parents were Argentinian, and I did live in Argentina with my parents probably six, seven years. That's and I when did you were work. tiny. Yeah, I did go to work, and I did work in Argentina back for the first privatization of water. Which is Aguas Argentinas, which was the first the first ever privatization of water of that extent of that for amount. drinking or for sewer for drinking water sewer the whole cycle the whole cycle water and sewer oh so that's where you got your itch for this well I mean I've been involved in P3s of water a, a lot so it's just like you know in Argentina primarily back in the 90s privatization of water was a big thing they were doing it they were doing it throughout developing nations privatizing water because that's i guess that was the only way to get to properly manage the water cycle um i did that in argentina for a while and that's where i met my wife and that's where we got married uh so i got i was married in argentina so she she was guaranteeing herself clean water <laughs> yes. yes but we moved to boston i think i only stayed in argentina well for one thing i didn't have and uh, then we moved are you back guys to known? boston are, are you guys known in Boston for the famous water like New York is, or no? For the famous water as because far as... New York's as the, water was always splendid, and it was always the reason for their excellent pizza. Well, Boston has improved its water So it's not famous like New York's water. I, I don't know. I, I can't say whether or not it's yeah. famous. So you're not famous for water. New York is famous for their water. Probably the, uh, the cleanest city water in all the United States. Yeah. And of course, that that manifests itself in bread and the pizza, because it's you know pizza and water. Uh, you you make a pizza with good water, man. You're gonna have a great pizza. It's that simple. You sound like Tony Soprano now. I'm sounding like a pizza <laughs> lover, man. Sounding like a pizza lover. So did we get any any new uh, any new changes? Any new updates? 1912 the- is what I see here. Fausto at 34, uh, 30.49. 
Katie, 26.67. And Joe Roscoe, 42.83. And, but in real term votes, because I, quite frankly, I should stop saying percents because in this little tiny town, we, let's talk about votes. It's 583 for Fausto, 510 for Katie, and 819 for Joe. Mm -hmm. So Joe looks like he's going to be in the runoff no matter what because no one's going to catch him. So the question is, who's going to be running off with him? Because between 510 and 583, that's a classic old-time Kibiskin election where 70 votes separates them. That's, that's 35 families, husband and wife. Right. So if you had children that are over 18, you could see how whoever's got their grip on family voting because it's kind of easy in Kibiskin to tell your kid to vote the way you did. And the kid will most likely listen because they're not very interested. So, that's the issue. What are you going to do about it? So, that's I what... I think we're about 33% of what the register of voters on that. We're we talking about 2,000 votes. We have 14,700 Remember, when it comes to the key, when, when it comes to the key, you have to say 1912. Because if you say 2,000, that's 80-point difference there. Yeah, 80, that'll do it. Yeah. I'll have to keep that in mind for November. You, uh, as a mayor, could, I mean, you as a council member well, could. Take me there yet. I haven't started You yet. could actually be winning by 30, 40 votes. There's so many of you guys. Remember, there's, you guys are all running, it seems. Um, you know, I think it's an opportunity right now to tell everybody. How many more days for, until the fit, 25th? Fernando Vasquez, if, you know, right now we need more than anything else. If there's one thing that we really need to be conscious about is the problem that we have in flooding in the island. And we have to resolve that. Question. Never in our history we have as a person with your skill thing. level run for council. Period. We have to resolve the flooding and issue. And we have to prioritize our projects. One thing. We can't prioritize them in a sense that we have to take care of, you know, I, I understand that we had a project already prioritized. K-8, I get that. That was something that the community wanted. But we also have to prioritize them from the standpoint of how can we best collect the water. This is one thing I do want to talk about because there are... There are priority projects that are community-driven, but there are also priority projects that are engineering-driven. Does that make sense, what I'm saying? Our collectors, for example. I mean, doing a job at K-8, it's important. We have to do that. We have to keep Hello, it my, my, my only viral video was the flooding at the K-8 We center. have to, because that is, to a certain degree, the kind of like the bottom of the bathtub in a way. By the way, if you want to go see that video, it's on YouTube. There's three parts of it. Yeah. It's me in a moat at the K-8 Center. <laughs> and as a casual rain, it wasn't a big torrential storm like the one we talked about the other day. This was me sitting in a Kia, risking being blown out. I'm sitting there in a little bit of a high part because it was a four-way stop. I remember it was a little high. I didn't it was actually just enough for me to do one or two minute video. And I go, hey, Kibis Kane, are you proud of the renovation of the K-8 Center? Well, they forgot the sewer uh, drainage. And there's a woman uh, calf deep in the water. <laughs> well, you know, we have, um, when you look at it, and I guess- Flood, it's called uh, Flooding K-8 Center. Flooding K-8 Center. But a lot of that water can also be intercepted through other collectors that are further away that, that we can pick up that water. So we can we can economize. What I'm, what I'm trying to say is looking, looking at the audience the is going to be asking to pick up the water means pushing it out to these other basins. 
Well, you really or sucking it out from another. Say one thing. So when you get a torrential rain, because we're such a flat island, there is no. It's not like you live on the mountain and on the other side of the mountain, and you get that rainfall from there. You pretty much pick up the entire rainfall. It overtops the watershed. You can have these smaller watersheds, but they're only inches. What I mean to say is high points, right? But they're only inches high, so the water's going to overtop that when it rains. And that means that it's going to all end up at the bottom because water travels to the And the bottom place. is, the toilet bowl is the case. It, it's that area. It's that region. I don't have it specifically here to define it, but we can, but, so I'm saying you have a project which is community driven, which wants to make sure that an area is dry and that's perfectly fine. We need to do that. But there are also projects that take a priority from a technical perspective, from an engineering perspective, from a watershed flow perspective and those are not necessarily there so that's how we invest that's how we invest intelligently we don't we don't maybe start from the bottom out we should maybe start from out to towards the bottom because we want to make sure that we intercept that water as it is getting again the, the question is is that pump ability to pump we need yeah we need pumping we need to, to higher help. ground within the island we need pumping or does it go straight to the, the bay? water to keep our level of service because otherwise you know the pipes are going to be able to to trans to you know convey or transport the water to towards the bay they will do that by gravity but they will take longer time because they're going to be filled with water you're also going to have the street the streets were overwhelmed plus high tide or low basins. tide if you're fighting the tide that's called a tail water condition a tail water condition is the head of water that you're facing that you're coming in right and that's coming in with so much energy so that can only push that you. can so you actually stop the pipes. energy right so now you need mechanical energy to raise the head of the water to overcome Which is pushing out into Which the bay. Which is pushing it out. Now, do you push it out into the bay, or do you look at options of injections, or do you look at a combination of both? That's what I'm going at. It, it's a complicated issue because you're dealing with a very flat terrain. You're dealing with already a wall of water. So, But there's also a process of how to do this, and you want to make sure that you Have do you guys it. ever considered, sorry for the interruption, no, but fine. I have to say it when I think or else I forget. Is there has been any consideration with connecting to the existing sewer system at Crandon Park? Or they, uh, won't allow, or they don't allow you, period. Because I remember when we were kids. Not unless you're... you're tra- they well, have the, first of all, they it, have those, la- those sewer, lagoons. When you say sewer, we have to speak, because for the folks out there that have knowledge, and you know, as it relates to the water resource, water cycle, you know, sewer is sanitary. We call it sewer sanitary sewer. Okay. Up in New York and Boston, they, they call it storm sewers. But we call it, you know, storm systems here. Storm is separate from sanitary sewer. So those are two different pipes. Absolutely. Yeah. So One has fecal matter and the other doesn't. Right. But, you know, back in, I, I worked in a lot of what we call combined sewer overflow, CSOs. Up in New York, up in Boston, they used to do them both. It was the old British approach of putting same it Same pipe? Yes, sir. Putting, it's called the same pipe, same aqua, same, yeah. But back then there were, that's what we had big programs up in, uh, you know, through through the EPA and consent orders to go ahead and change it, and you know they were called combined sewer overflows, and wow. we overflow. So from somewhere they clean the it though, I suppose. Well, what happened is that once a storm reaches, because storm carries a lot more water very quickly, sewer is just a consistent approach. It doesn't really go ahead and trigger high. So uh, when that reached a certain elevation, 
it overtopped into the sewer. Back then, in the in the past, you carried it all in one pipe. Then it changed into wasn't that an overburdening systems. of the sewer system and stuff? It the, was an overburdening the, of the, the system, and point. it was an overburdening of the treatment plants because now you had an That's additional hydraulic load going into your treatment plant, and now you have your you know your 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 your, your systems within the treatment facility are working are not processing properly because they're designed to proper a certain hydraulic and biological load. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, so we. So right now we have we have already it's already separated in Florida they're all separated they're not combined that I know of but they're not combined. Um, in a new facility, would it be if we were to move water and sewer from? Virginia no, we again? we cannot we cannot combine water and sewer because uh, we have aqua, water and sewer together. We have aqua yeah, four. We, can, we cannot combine it. We cannot combine it. One, it's a separate sewer. It goes to the treatment plant. It goes out to Virginia Key. The other ones are picked up locally and they get discharged into the bay. One of the problems that we had in Miami Beach is that we had a lot of outfalls that we're discharging into the bay. And, you know, when it rains a lot, what happens is that it causes turbidity. It causes Explain to the audience. Turbidity is, you know, the water comes in at a certain degree. Now it starts, you know, starts meshing up all the soil and everything. And all of a sudden it gets cloudy. The fishes can't see. The, the water quality changes. The water temperature changes. Uh, killing and fish. And killing fish, overwhelming, you know. The, the some of the corals, or, you know, overburdening some of the corals. So we have to be careful what we discharge on Biscayne Bay, and we have to be cautious about that. Fortunately, I mean, the county established already a Biscayne Bay um, oversight group that looks at this, uh, Mayor Levine Cava. She did that, and, and so they're looking at it more seriously than before. But, um, you know, th- that a lot of that stuff, and in, in great part, I know Miami has generates its own pollution, but a lot of it is also coming out from the west, from, from the canals, from the Everglades, because you have a lot of septic systems there, and you have manure, mm. and you have fertilizers that create algal blooms, and, you know, in the heat, they, you know, they based in the heat, and all of a sudden, they end up in the canals, overtopping, and those nutrients get discharged right through the Miami yeah, River. Yeah, what, whatever became of the red pre- bloom? Well, I... I mean, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, all those nutrients are, they need to be controlled. And we need, that's what I was saying when I was, when I put in my video on my Instagram page for an end of VKB 2022. Um, I was talking specifically about that because we need to have more stakeholder representation. Key Biscayne, uh, the, the Biscayne Bay is our playground. It's our, Right. I mean, that's where we take our boats. We go scuba diving. That's where we. That's where we enjoy. It's our backyard. So, but I don't. We need to. We need to have more involvement. Just like we need to have more involvement in the causeway. Just we're doing that, and other things that affect us. And we need to have a bigger voice, and we need to have a stronger voice. And I hope to be that voice. I really do, because uh, I know I'll speak with credibility. I'll speak with experience, and I'll be transparent about that with the public. So, perfect. Perfect time to end the show. We're not going to wait for all the right. totals. And no Fifth Symphony from Beethoven. But no right. Symphony. Next time, uh, Next time we'll have to do that. Uh, we're going to have a victory concert when you are elected to the dais. I really want Key Biscayne to know this is our only chance to have a flood management engineer who's also a civil engineer, so he knows about not only pipes, but concrete and suspension. And transportation. And, yes. So <laughs> thank you very much for... Joining us here on Blink Radio. Thank you, man. We're going to have to just wait for tomorrow for the votes because it's now 930, solid two hours, 
uh, it it would it would pass in a blink. So, my folks, take care. You know what I always have to say: blink once. Yes, I said it. Blink twice. Yes, you missed it. Take care.